right? Yes, we are. All right. So I was talking to a lady on the dating app, who turns out she went to school with families, uh, family members of Thomas Jones. And she was like, you know, if you ever need to try, I was like, oh, he's been on our podcast three times. And she was like, wow. So anyway, she not only knows Thomas and Julius and their sister and their mom. She went to the same school with him. She's slightly younger. She's in her upper thirties, but yeah, she knows Thomas Jones and knows him well. I was like, yeah, he's been on our show three times. That's but awesome. It's a, it's a small world, man. We got to have him back. So I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we are indeed live. Let's let people know why Aaron is here, but we'll do that after our official open. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. World, how I love my Tuesday nights with Dan Aguirre and our very special guest, Aaron. How are you, brother? Oh, I think you're muted. Are you muted, Aaron? I think Aaron's muted. I figured I'm tooch today, so I might as well come in hot with the mic muted, right? So there we go. I was waiting for you guys to call me out of it, too. I had it planned out and everything. Well good, done. Man. It's good to be back here on the boardroom. I miss you guys. Miss yeah, you. we used to do I Have a Stream together back uh, yes, three sir. years ago. A lot of times we uh, did shows together. Fun stuff. Absolutely, gotta, yep. Got to bring that show back. Got to bring that show back. And we'll Absolutely. be talking about stuff that's streaming and movies and stuff. We've got a lot of Bears talk. But Aaron, since we last saw you, you were uh, – I noticed you were in a wedding ring. What's, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I uh... – I'm gotten married last June. I've been with Rachel since it's been eight years. Um, so last year we decided we'd make it official and get married. And 
we got a house together three years ago and we decided to make it married. So made an honest man out of me about finally. Look at that. Look at and that. And he's got the greatest man cave ever. That is for sure. The bear's paint scheme on the walls. It's fucking great. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You can kind of see a little bit on the walls here. Yeah, look of. at that. Look at that, Aldo. Just like the jerseys. That's amazing. It's effing amazing. I love it. You can yeah. say fucking. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hand painted. Uh, took me. That all oh, this stuff back here is not bears, but yeah, bear stuff, orange stars. That took me. I think I calculated out to about. Oh, uh, I want to say like thirteen hours. It took me because I did it all by hand. I just I measured it piece by piece and just kind of took my time with it. So, I love it, man. It is so cool. Appreciate so it. cool. Thank you. We're gonna have like uh, everyone that listens to the show. They should send in pictures of their man caves if they want to show it off. That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, guys, you know, there's tons of football to talk about. There's there's gossip to talk about. Should we talk about what we were talking about prior to the show, or should we just not go there? Ooh. Gentlemen, it's up to you. I've got no stake in the matter. Well, why don't you give us your opinion on it? Uh, okay, so maybe we should let everybody know what's going on before I give you my opinion then. Okay. It's so the, yeah, go for it. <laughs> go ahead, Dan. You're <laughs> you you want me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. We don't have to. We don't have to. We can totally to go into bear stuff. I've got to. Talk. If you're gonna, if we're gonna talk about this on air, I've got to preface it. Okay. I have mad respect and adoration for the other Dan. In the past, I didn't want him to leave. Before we even went on air, if you're, before he joined the show, he was gonna leave, and then I still didn't want him to go. Same can be said. I, I have respect for Nomad. But specifically, if we're, if we're going to go on the air with this, uh, I was speaking to Dan because Dan made a very thought, thoughtful phone call to me on Sunday night. Because as you recall last week, I sucked because my cat was dying and I, my head wasn't where I needed to be. But I was here trying to be a professional. But my cat eventually died the next morning. So Dan called me because he had cats. And, you know, it's just like your, your child dying or something, you know, in some ways. Because they're completely dependent on you. You know, they're reliant on you. So it's almost like it's my leadership that failed my cat, you know? But, uh, so he's, he's telling me that, Hey, I'm sorry. And when then I was like, well, did you see Nomad is starting a podcast? And, uh, I saw that the bar room tweeted it out and he goes, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like four hours later, I was, I was listening to the new smashing pumpkins record, which is called autumn, a rock opera, uh, in three acts. And I'm on act three. I've been listening for over two hours, just trying to escape my adversity and my, you know, just sadness and such. And, but I, the lyrics didn't come with this. So I'm on my phone reading the lyrics and I see that Dan has messaged me. And again, I wouldn't have brought this up, um, but he was upset. And I really wanted him to know that the reason he was upset was like, not genuine, I guess. Like I, he thought I had betrayed him or something somehow. And uh, I didn't necessarily know we were going with this on air, but that's okay. I, I'm telling the truth. Um, he, he was like, well, Aldo did the, the open for this and, and he was on the show and it's a big fuck you to me. And like, how, how did you, how'd you do this? And I was like, dude, I didn't, I, I didn't know even know Aldo was going to be on the show. I didn't know he was going to do production. I didn't know anything. I didn't. So yeah, he was, uh, he apologized the next day. I told him, you don't need to apologize. You're my friend. I care about you. I do. I do. I like the guy. I like his wife. 
period. But he was really upset. And then you told me he was upset at you. So yeah. that's what we were talking about before the broadcast. Yeah. So I, uh, I get contacted by nomad. I, when he tweeted out that he was going to have his debut show that night, he asked me if, if I wanted to pop in. And so I say, Hey, whatever you need. So I pop in Herb Howard. I, I didn't know Herb Howard was going to be his also on his guest. And, and he asked me, um, Hey, do you want to come in at the top with me to talk to Herb? I go, no, you got yourself a great interview there. I'll sit back on whenever you want to bring me in. So I sat, listened to the interview. I was having a great time. Those guys were riffing. It was like, I put it up in the chat. It was, it was like jazz, you know, free jazzing. They were just to bring up a topic about the, the draft picks that they got. And they just went out into the other players who played that position or whatever topic it was just great. I was having a really great fucking time. So afterwards, um, I, I come in for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, uh, talk shit with the fellas, had a great time. I go to sleep and when I wake up in the morning, <laughs> I get these angry texts from Mr. Shorty. I'm like, what's going on here? He goes, I can't, I can't, he texts, I can't keep this in anymore. I feel betrayed and so forth. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know? So I just wrote back, LOL. I did not produce his open. I was simply a guest. And uh, then, you know, another hour or two later, he texts me back and says, I apologize. You know, I just got emotional, you know, how, you know, he and I are with each other. I just felt betrayed. And then another 30 minutes later, he texts me and says, I'm going to take the high road on this and I'm not going to be mad anymore. <laughs> and so I didn't text him. Those last two texts, I didn't text back. And, but if I would have texted back, I would have said the high road. <laughs> the high road left a long time ago. You took the off ramp <laughs> off the high road. <laughs> yeah, the high road's way back there, bro. Yeah, exactly. So listen, I understand. You know, uh, Nomad and Mr. Shorty had some differences. There's a lot of passion involved. There's a lot of, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Mr. Shorty said in his text is that, hey, you know, I really got angry when Nomad said that the barroom game was his first break. And that's not technically true. Technically, Nomad was with uh, BCP. Uh, and so I think he was offended by that and offended that, you know, I had any role in, in that new show. So I just want to say to Shorty, listen, there's no hard feelings. I love you. You're still my friend. Uh, but Nomad is my friend, too. And so I'm not I'm not going to get in the middle of any disputes that are going on. And uh, I just want everybody to succeed. There's enough. Uh, there's enough. Uh, uh, pie here for everybody to to munch on. So, but I thought it was funny, and I wanted to share it with everybody. I'm glad Nomad's getting a kick out of it. Well, I let me just say, I think Dan's a great guy. I just want to say that again. And if he was Absolutely. upset, I just wanted to reassure him that I didn't know that you were going to be on. I didn't know what day the show was start. I didn't know that Nomad had a show lined out yet until I saw your tweet Sunday night. So, I I can't say that enough. I'm not being duplicitous. I I didn't know anything about it. I guess I think he wanted me to tell him if I had, I known in advance, but I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah and I, you know, why would he need to know that? I, it, when, if, if I'm ever invited on BCP again, I'm not going to call Nomad and tell him, Hey, is it all right? If I, if I go to BCP for a couple of shows, it might be on the same time you're on. I'm not going to do that. There's just enough love here for everybody. And, uh, 
And Chubbs comes in. He says, Chubbs hasn't been here in a while. He says, so I popped in on YouTuber drama. Yeah, you did, man. <laughs> but it's Let all me good. compliment your shirt, by the way. You like that, huh? I do. Sharp, man. I do, too. You know, I bought this before you bought me the Justin Fields jersey, uh, Dan, because I have this rule that I do not buy jerseys of current day players. Which is why I bought you the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I've got Khalil Mack. Uh, Jay Cutler, not Jay Cutler, uh, Mitch Trubisky, and now Justin Fields. I hope that Justin Fields, I don't feel about the Justin Fields jersey the same way I do about the Mac and Trubisky one, especially the Trubisky. You should one. give the Mitch jersey to yeah. Mike North. I should. I should. <laughs> in fact, he's going to be here in a couple of weeks to do some recording. I might uh, wrap it up and gift it to him. <laughs> it's funny. I was talking to somebody about that exact thing that today they asked if I'd gotten the Fields jersey yet. And I was like, there's a sporting goods show or store here in town. And there's a fucking, there's a bitch in uh, Fields jersey. It's a stitched one for like 80 bucks. And it was my size. And I'm like, I can't. Because the second I buy it, it's a black bark. It's going to be, I'm going to jinx it. Like I just, I, I'm, and I actually think I might've got the rule from you, although it's just, if they're current players, I don't buy them unless, and like, if he gets the extension rock and roll, I'll get it. Yes. But like, other than that, I'll go with legends or like, other cause I got a Kyle Long jersey, but I fucking love Kyle Long. Mm -hmm. And I got a Cleo Mac jersey too, but the Trubisky one's the one that burned me. I'm like, well, shit, I shouldn't have spent the money on that. So yep. come the extension, I'll get one. But in, until then, I'm not really going to buy anybody on the current roster. Dan, you got to tell us uh, of the, what, 67 jerseys you well, have? My, no, my cousin wiped me out. Remember, he stole a bunch of them. But, uh, yeah, he even stole the orange Mitchell Trubisky. It's just like, why would you steal that one? You know? <laughs> but, uh, uh, a couple of the bad purchases over the years would include Jared Allen. The I've white. got one. I've got a Jared Allen jersey, too. I had Kevin White, the blue one, the I night that, that they drafted Kevin White, where he was from West Virginia. I bought it. Uh, the Jim Miller white one, I bought it in 2002 on opening day when the Bears came back and beat Minnesota at Champaign and Miller threw the game-winning touchdown to David Terrell. And I was like, see, 2001 wasn't a fluke, motherfucker. Jim Miller, yeah. <laughs> bought the jersey and then, like, you talk about a bad purchase from a bad guy. I know he's on serious, but, man, he's an asshole. He's more successful than I'll be, but he's a dick. What do you think about what Chubbs uh, said here? He thinks it's weird for grown men to wear jerseys of men 10 years younger. In my case, it would be like 40 years younger, uh, Chubbs. Uh, but that's just him, he says. What do you, what I think, do you think it'd be weird that? if I had their face on it. But <laughs> yeah. other than that, I think I don't I think nobody's the jersey, at least for me, the jersey numbers. I mean, it would be weird if I was sitting here like saying I wanted to blow the guy or something. Mm -hmm. That would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wearing just, I'm wearing the Navy Justin Fields jersey right now with no regrets, despite the fact that Justin was born when I was in 12th grade. <laughs> that is right. That is right. You know, I, I, I don't think it's weird at all. I once saw a George Carlin show where he did 15 minutes on what the fuck is wrong with people wearing baseball caps. You got oh, yeah. LA on you. He just went on and on. And I love George the Carlin. Bit, I, I'm, oh, I love him. But the bit was actually starting to annoy me a little bit. I'm like, you know, why the fuck are you making fun of people and what they wear? That's, that's dumb. <sighs> You know, yeah. I, can, I can see a couple of off jokes, but he, he made it a whole long bit. 20 minutes, not not that long, but 10, 15 minutes. I thought it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah, the people don't get it. I mean, there's people that do. So, you know, it's probably the kind of same person that's like, oh, you see we like you're on the team. It's like, yeah, I do see we. You're goddamn right. I say we. Mm -hmm. but, you know, actually, my favorite comedian is where I got that from. 
He's like, why do you say we? And he's like, I say we because when my team suck, everybody says you guys suck. They don't say your team sucks. They don't say your favorite team sucks. They say you guys. So if I'm going to get associated with being a part of the team when they suck, then I'm going to say we at all the times so when we start winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Let me I, point out before we get started, started. Speaking of comedy, this Saturday night, I've got tickets VIP for a sold out show of Mr. Andrew Dice Clay. Hickory cool. dickory duck. Your wife was sucking my cock. <laughs> the clock struck two. I dropped my goo. I kicked the bitch down the fucking block. There you go. A little dice for you. Classic. Jesus Christ. I don't remember that part about kicking a bitch down the block. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I'm up front, so I'm going to be the guy he's mocking. I got to get oh. ready for it. You, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to wear a Justin Fields jersey. <laughs> so, <laughs> See what he it. says. Yes, we're a jersey. Absolutely. <laughs> that is cool. All right. We are going to talk some Bears football. We're 17 minutes into the show. Let me uh, just say that Aaron is here because we want him here. I love him here. But also, uh, Johnny Santucci is out today. He lost his aunt uh, a few days ago. And he talked to us about his relationship with his aunt. And they had a really, really special, loving relationship, and she finally uh, succumbed uh, to cancer. And uh, he was in, he's in town, I think now. Um, and the services were held over in Glenview. We uh, Dan and I sent him our love, and uh, can't imagine when you lose a, a, a family member, it's awful. When you lose a family member that you had a special bond with. It's the fucking worst. So I, I imagine that he's going through a hard time and uh, he's got our, our thoughts in his head. So, um, all right, let's talk Chicago Bears. I wanted to, you know, I, I, everybody is always judges draft classes, you know, right away. This whole draft grades thing is just the fucking stupidest thing ever invented for clickbaits, you know. And so I, I don't want, I, I want to exclude the rookies in this conversation because it's really going to take two or three years to see if they are good, solid draft picks. But so what I want to uh, talk about is veteran players, veteran players who are now in year two of the system or are in their third or fourth year in the league and have the bears put in play, place a coaching staff and team teammates to help these veteran players get to the next level to achieve greater success. And so whenever you have a conversation like this, you're going to go with the quarterback first. So let me put up this graphic of Justin Fields. There you see his completion percentage, 60% uh, last year, lower than it should be, 2,200 uh, yards passing, seven yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns, 11 inter interceptions. Not the best ratio in the world, but at least – is uh, a positive ratio. And, of course, when you talk Justin Fields, you have to talk about the historic running uh, season that he had in 2022, just simply historic. Now, before we get started, I want to play this. This is from ESPN, one of their uh, analysts. I forgot his first name. Fowler is his last name. And he's talking about GM's perception of Justin Fields. Around the league. Uh, about Fields as he prepares for year number three? Well, Max, that very point you just made about Fields keeping the Bears in games they had no business being in, that exact same point was made by somebody in the organization that I spoke directly to. They said that only certain players in this league have the ability to elevate an entire team. 
Fields is one of them. Now, there is still some skepticism that exists among some team officials around the league that I've spoken to about his ability to get it done as a pocket passer. Can he be that precision guy that you need from the pocket? Those questions are not going away until he proves otherwise, but the Bears believe he is on the right track, and they believe the upgrades along the offensive line will help him along in a big way. And guys, that's the critical topic here, right? We know what he can do from an explosive play uh, perspective running the ball, but can he be that precision pocket passer so that he doesn't have to, the offense doesn't have to rely on him running with the ball and can instead be more of that West Coast offense matriculating the ball downfield with short passes and with runs, and then every once in a while he takes off with, with an explosive play. Let me start with... You first, Aaron, your thoughts on uh, Mr. Fields. Yeah, you know, and it's something I've actually seen all over the place now. Um, everything, and of course, it's the offseason. They're going to talk up their quarterback. I mean, how many times did we see, you know, he was fucking well, the bald fuck, as, as Dan calls him. The It was Trubisky. He was 1.0 last year. He's 2.0 this year. He's going to be, you know, and they talked him up so much, and, and it just – Obviously, nothing ever came to it, but everything that I've seen article-wise is Luke Getzey's pumped. I mean, he's he's really singing the praise, and I think there's some flus in there too. I mean, I can look up an article here quick, but the term that Getzey came across with, he said light years. He said Fields is light years ahead of where he was, and I know that Fields has been working out this season uh, the past couple of months with uh, Footworks coach. And and I mean, at the end of the last season too, it, the coaches, the coordinators, as as well as Fields, all said that Fields knows he needs to work on this short passing game. And mm-hmm. anything that anybody knows about Fields, he's probably got one of the biggest work ethics on the team. And it sounds like he's done exactly that. He's worked on his footwork. He's worked on because um, correct me if I'm wrong. He also needed to fix his uh, his windup. Right? He had a really right. long loop. I think he's worked on that. And mm-hmm. I think they they've said that he. Uh, has been working on his his short and immediate thing. And one thing that's important, especially for this season coming up, is Fields was the number one quarterback on passes between 10 yards and 19 yards. And that's actually where DJ Moore excels as well. Those are his bread and butter things. So if we get Fields to continue that with a new weapon that excels at that as well, there's no reason to think he won't continue to succeed. Mm. Mr. Aguirre. I was thinking about this, actually. You know, the – that screen pass that he always threw to to Mooney, mm-hmm. straight down the line, almost a lateral. But is that a lateral? Is it? I, I most of the time, I guess it was technically, you know, above past the line of scrimmage, so it wasn't lateral. But all those times he fucked that throw up, I was thinking maybe it's maybe again not seeing the whole field at that time, just the TV copy. Maybe he knew the play was going to be busted because they called it so many times. That stupid-ass bubble screen, they did it like three times a game. Maybe he was throwing that so poorly because he knew it wasn't going anywhere and and not getting Mooney killed on that. Mm-hmm. So Because that was the one play I always focused on was that little screen. It's like, why can't he complete a screen pass? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's like he's just like, I'm throwing it away essentially because it's not going anywhere. And, of course, there was the tight end pass to, to Griffin – uh, in the end zone against the Redskins, or, or I'm sorry, the Commanders, mm-hmm. uh, on that Thursday night game where they said the tight end wasn't running a, a far enough or hard enough, but still he's got to make that throw. He's a professional quarterback. So those throws, do they concern me? Of course they concern me, but I think even if he struggles in the short game, he seems to throw a much accurate uh, ball deep, an accurate deep ball. Uh, and obviously the running game. So I think 
we can live with some of those stro- uh, those shorter throws not being as effective. But I hope they do improve. Absolutely. Yeah. And tag team enough of your long ball thing. Like that's one thing I talked to anybody about when I talked to Fields, and that's one thing. Even his college scouting reports that he was touchdown the checkdown. Right. He was always looking for the big strike. Um, and then he'd, he'd go to the check down thing is kind of sort of, which we saw admittedly also caused a lot of a sacks last year too. You know, he, he's looking for that deep strike and he may obviously didn't have too many of the warriors that could do it, especially as the season progressed and everybody got injured. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, as, as well as footwork and the short pass, he's got to get rid of the fucking ball, dude. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I, 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 he probably did, but I just, at the top of my head, I can't remember a single time he threw it away. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think there were – I remember a couple of times, okay. but, yeah, he yeah. definitely should have done it probably yeah. 20 more times yeah. uh, last season. And I think I do have that soundbite from Getsy. Uh, this is him talking about Justin Fields and his expected uh, improvement in 23. As we evaluated Justin um, from last year, I think the, the growth from where – you know, everybody, in, in including yourselves, like how the way you viewed the guy and the way the team viewed the guy to where where he was at this time last year to where he is now, I think it just is, is light years ahead of where it was. And, and then it goes to everything, right? Getting the team around him better and uh, us all being together for another year and the continuity that we have and the communication that he and I have, um, you know, where we were to kind of at the beginning of the season to the end of the season, I think is is a lot better, and so we're, we're hoping to build off of all that stuff. I think anytime you can be together with somebody um, uh, and, and keep that consistency, there's going to be growth, and he has a lot more growth ahead of him, um, and we're, we're excited to tap into that. That last bit worries me because there was head coach talks for Getsy last year already, so he's talking about we're going to build this thing together the longer it gets me together, but it feels fucking takes off, dude. I, I'm really worried about Getsy splitting for a higher position. Mm. It's interesting. What do you think about what Aaron just said there, Dan? Look, I love Aaron, but Getsy's lucky to still have a job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think so. Uh, see, I disagree. I I think he, with what he did last year, with what I mean, same thing. I know with uh, with a defensive coordinator, you, you got to think about him too, right? But it's it's kind of the same argument that that Aldo brought to you so many different times. It's with what he had to work with, I think he did great, especially when they started making planned runs for Fields, and they started making because Fields was doing great scrambling. But you really saw the difference when you could tell that that is a, that's a designed run, and he's got the people out ahead of him, and it, it really made a difference for those three or four weeks. That well, let's that play he, devil's advocate to that then. Deal. Yes. There are times, especially in Atlanta where the dude is on the sidelines getting stretched out. He can barely stand. He goes back in the game. The first call is a fucking design run to the left, which they always did. When he, It's like, you know he's banged up. You know yeah. he can't. He can barely. He doesn't even have his breath. Well, let's yeah. run him again. How about how about giving the ball to David okay. Montgomery? Okay. Yeah, I don't have a good rebuttal for that. That's because like they absolutely like, asinine. When, when David Montgomery is getting fewer carries a game than your quarterback, it's like, or, or what, why is he there? And by the way, I feel bad for Montgomery going to Detroit, and then immediately they draft a running back. It's I don't just fuck him. We offered him a bunch of money, dude. He wanted to go play against because he even said himself that he wanted to play behind their O line. So fuck that bastard, dude. He had a chance to come back and he didn't. I have no love lost <laughs> yeah, for. Montgomery. I agree with you on that. Fuck that bastard. Yeah, no, he, everything I understand, and it sounds like I don't remember how much it was, but it sounds like they just offered him a little more. And then there's some either a, a soundbite or an article I read where something he said, "Yeah, it's kind of hard not to have your mouth watering running behind this offensive line." I'm like, okay, well, best of luck, but fuck you. Like I, I'm not gonna feel bad about you being gone anymore. 
Yeah, you know, I and and I know Chubbs is not a big David Montgomery fan, so he's not going to cry. Yeah, I, I loved him. I just if that's fine, go. You know, mm-hmm. you you make your bank, go get your money. I, you may not have a chance to get that much money again, but like I'm not going to feel bad that you wouldn't sign when you could have come back and done something special. <laughs> By the way, the Heart Foundation says, talk about keeping it a hundred, Aaron. <laughs> I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> I love it. I uh, getting back to fields, you know, I think that there are no more excuses. I know the offensive line is still not great, but he does have enough to show a big improvement in his pocket passing. If he has the same issues this season that he did last season with his pocket passing, then I'm going to start worrying particularly because in 2024 is when you got to make the proclamation. Are you picking up this fifth-year option? Are you going to extend this contract? Are you going to pay him Jalen Hurts kind of money? So this this is such a critical year for him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bet that he is going to take a leap. Mm -hmm. My concern is, is whether it's going to be big enough for him to be labeled, rightfully labeled, the franchise quarterback. I got a feeling we're going to head into the 2024 draft and there's going to be speculation on whether Fields is going to be replaced with the draft pick. So then let me ask you a question. What would that be? What would it take if you were the head coach of the GM? You know, we'll play devil's advocate with that. What would you need to see out of him to like absolutely convince that this is your dude? I mean, either one of you can answer that because it's like for me, I've, I've seen enough to where I've obviously absolutely, but I'm with all though, I'm the same way. If I don't see a pretty significant jump as far as a short game of like the passing game goes, that's that's area con- first concern. So, like, how much of a big jump does he actually have to do if, if you're, you know, the coordinators or the GM, you know, for that matter, and the head coach? Okay. He's, can I, can I jump in? Yeah, yeah please, absolutely. please. Let's look back at recent quarterbacks. Cade McDown did okay in 99 when they would insert him occasionally and mix him in with Jim Miller and Shane Matthews. And there was hope heading into 2000 that Cade was going to be good. But it wasn't like Justin is is head and shoulders above whatever hope we had for Cade McDown. Mm-hmm. Justin is head and shoulders above whatever hope we had for Trubisky going into mm-hmm. year two. And keep in mind, this is his third season, but his first year was with the bald fuck and Nagy. No offense, Aaron. And good, he was with Nagy. <laughs> And it's like, you know, and it's a no a new offense and a terrible play caller in Nagy. We all know that. So it's like it's his second year basically with this offense. I, I don't think that's talked about enough as far as the national media goes. Everybody's like, I feel this isn't guy last year. Okay, what you realize that last year was like his third coaching scheme with his third team, or like I guess not third team, but like that's his third coaching scheme because he was at Ohio State and then yeah. Nagy in the Bears, and then he's with Getz in the Bears. So he's learning that's three different years he had. That's like new languages. Exactly. Yep, it, exactly. It's not like it, it's, you know, it's a foreign language that he's learning in an offseason. So he gets to be in the same right. system for the second year. Yep. But my point is to bring up the historical things in recent quarterbacks, we've got so much more right now than we've had with any of our previous quarterbacks going into their next year, probably since Jim McMahon, in terms of saying, okay, this could be our guy. So I think we need to give Justin a little bit of a break here. At the very least, the spectacular splash plays that he had, in, uh, granted, on the ground. But Which, that was enough to electrify us in a 3-14 and 14 season. If we piggyback off the splash plays thing, how, how often did uh, Paul say that after the draft? He said, you look at the splash plays. I mean, he, he literally focused. He said he focused on those splash plays 
of all the different people that we drafted. So I think I think that's a fair assessment, Dan. Is is you saw the different flashes and and maybe that maybe they did maybe that's why they kept them around because of things he has done may not be consistent as we would have liked, but the things that he's done uh, flashed enough to where they gave him this what you know basically brought him back for sure for another year. Well, let me let me uh, try to address because. It- you, Joe, Joe, and Aaron had the same kind of question here. From a statistical standpoint, it's difficult to apply a number mm-hmm. in terms of what I, you know, my expectations to hopefully get a long-term contract done. But if you look at Jalen Hurts' numbers, I think that's a good model because I really do believe they are very similar quarterbacks in terms of uh, skills and what they they can do and in terms of leadership skills as well. They're very, very similar. I think that Hertz's 24 touchdown passes last season and only six interceptions is the baseline, is is the entry line. I'd love to see him more like 25%. Lamar. Yeah. That's crazy. That's good. I, I, I'd love to see him get more of the numbers that Lamar Jackson got in his second year when he was voted league MVP. He had some 38 touchdown passes. No, 36 touchdown passes and only six interceptions. I don't think that the team around him is as is that good for Fields to get those kind of numbers. I hope that I'm wrong. I hope Claypool and, uh, and DJ Moore and, and these other guys, and Patrick Mooney and Colt Komet are going to step up, and we'll be talking about some of those guys a little later. But I, I do think that we have to see the touchdown numbers go up, the interceptions go down, and we need to see victories. What was the biggest letdown last season when it came to Justin Fields? It was he did not come back in those fourth quarter moments to win games. Oh, uh, okay, but – there, how I know at least once there was one. He had Mooney on the fucking goal line, and Mooney dropped it. There were multiple games that where was the he Washington had us game in the game, and he drove us down, and somebody else made a mistake, and 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 th- we didn't win them. And you know, in, in the end of the day, that's all that matters. But he definitely put us in position multiple times, not only with his legs to get us back in the game, but like I said, the one pass to Mooney, he could have caught it on the goal line. That would have been fine. And I, I can't remember what else, Dan, maybe you probably can. I know there was at least one other instance where it was like the Miami last- game that we were at when Claypool yeah. got just sodomized right. by three yeah. Dolphins. Great. And then the Great. league apologized to us for it on Tuesday. But what did, what did that apology mean? It meant another loss, you know, and that it's just the fuck. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go on. I forgot. Yeah, it's just that. he had a lot of moments like the Minnesota one when uh, the the kid that we had that played for the Vikings just gave the ball away. You remember uh, the that Iowa kid? He's from Iowa. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Smith exactly. Morissette. Yeah, I think Alanis Morissette. Every time I talk about him, but <laughs> he gave the ball away like a jagged little pill, and they took it to the end zone, <laughs> and that cost us the game. I mean, there were so many moments that, but that that's what I'm looking at. I want to win with Justin more than anything, more than statistics. But secondly, I would love, I would like cream my fucking draws if he could get to 4,000 yards passing. Because guess what, gentlemen? The Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer. Mm -hmm. So win first, but if you can get 4,000 yards passing, dude, then you're going to make me hornier than I already am for it. So. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I have big expectations for Justin. And, you know, when you hear 
Luke Getze said what he just said, you know, being light years ahead and learning all this stuff. And he's been working on footwork, the throwing motion, everything that Aaron just mentioned. You know, I'm excited about where he can go. Um, but I am, you know, after so many years of disappointments with quarterbacks yeah. in Chicago, got to see it, man. Got to yep. see it. Yeah, I mean, hell, I, I, you got a few more years on me but i think i think any kind of reservations is fine i mean in bottom line we have not seen enough we just haven't to give mm -hmm. him that extension and it's i mean if you think that we have then i think you're delusional and fooling yourself mm -hmm. I, i'd love to have seen enough but it's just one of those like that that short passes thing and two i can never remember the kid's name but everybody talks about like the next big fucking deals coming out next year in the draft as far as quarterback is concerned it's going to go number one overall like mm. I've, I've heard two people talk about, can, do you mind his name? Although the next, the quarterback is it Oklahoma or oh, uh, the USC kid at Caleb, Caleb Williams. That's yeah. the one where it's like, everybody's I've heard people like he's the next Peyton Manning or he's the next Drew Brees. It's like, it's, he's a big deal. So it's like, you know, he feels has to prove it. And I don't, God willing, we're not number one. Again hey, next can year, I, but, yeah. Let me interject. Yeah. You just mentioned Drew Brees is one of those benchmark quarterbacks, mm. right? He had a great career. We can admit that, right? However, Drew Brees came to the league in 2001. By 2004, San Diego was ready to give up on him and drafted Phillip Rivers. Mm. It started to click for Brees, ironically, when they got Rivers. So the point is, 01, 02, by 03, they were benching uh, and putting Doug Flutie in at age 43 or whatever. So yeah. it took Drew Brees a couple of yeah. years to become the Drew Brees that we were familiar with, is my point. Yeah. But people forget that when they're talking about Justin Fields. Again, he's starting year number three, but technically his second year as a starter. Mm. So again, just looking at Brees alone, Brees become the Brees that we know in 04, 05, 06, and he started in 01. So again, they had no given point. up on him and drafted Phillip Rivers. That's a fact. Right on, man. Nope, that's that's a valid point. I didn't know that. That makes total sense. And uh, Jedi says Reese was coming off an injury, too. Yeah, it was like a, a last game of the season. He had like a really bad-looking knee or leg. or right. Let me correct myself. He They didn't draft Rivers. They drafted Eli Manning, and then they were traded because mm -hmm. right. Eli didn't want to play in San Diego. Either way, they drafted another quarterback because they thought Breeze wasn't good enough. And then Breeze comes out and beats Rivers – in the spring or in, or in uh, uh, the summer, the mini camp. That's what I'm trying to say, for fuck's sake. And then in 05, he's still going to beat, but then 06, he goes to New Orleans. So I'm just saying, let's not rush Fields and say he has to win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, I, I want him to. Please do that. Please, before I die. But yes, we're going to be okay. We just got to be patient with him. Yeah, and, and I, I agree. Um, I just don't know that the, off the front office agrees. I think that if they see this next kid as the next coming of Christ Almighty, as far as football is concerned, and Fields hasn't shown him, I, which again is one of the main reasons I haven't bought a jersey. I mean, if Fields improves a little bit, but they see this kid evaluate him throughout the draft next year, and God forbid we do have another high draft pick, then I, you know, I, I'm not going to hold my breath, no matter how good I look in blue, that they're going to keep Fields if they think the next kid is going to be the best one. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. And the Panthers could give us, you know, a top five pick. Uh, so it's going to be tough. two picks next year in the first round. Ooh, and you, so you, you can use those to trade up and pick. Uh, that's exactly my point. Yeah, I mean, yep. we've got enough ammo. Not even that, but how many other 
later rounds that we could package to get that kid. So that's like everything I hear about this kid coming out next year. He's, he's the real deal. So it's like fields. I, I want Fields to succeed. I want to stick with him. I don't want that kid. Don't get me wrong. But my, like I said, my reservation is that the front office agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to our next player here. I want to go to running back Khalil Herbert, who a lot of people expect or expected before the draft was going to be the number one running back on this team. Uh, last season, he ran for 731 yards, four touchdowns. He had only nine receptions, one touchdown. He averaged five 0.12 yards per carry, 153 rushes, 70, 784 yards in games that David Montgomery did not play. So that kind of gives you an idea. When he was in that starter role, he he put together some nice numbers. Uh, but he was ranked 29th out of 60 uh, eligible uh, pass blockers, running backs who were, who were uh blocking for the pass by PFF. And, of course, we all know PFF, those grades a lot of times don't mean nothing, but they can mm -hmm. give you sort of an idea. And I think most of us will agree that Khalil Herbert's pass blocking has to become better. So this time I'll start with you, Dan. What are your expect expectations for Khalil Herbert? You think he can be that number one running back? And what I mean by that is the running back on the Bears who has the most carries, the most uh, plays the most offensive snaps? You remember the lady that told you that knew Thomas Jones? Yes. She just sent me her boobage. I'm sorry. I'm slightly distracted. All right. What? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take a commercial break here. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just explaining my... Uh, boobage is an underrated word, by the way. That's something everybody needs a little bit more. I, I don't care if the, the, the lady's rocking an A cup or like, how big is that kind of cup? I'm like, I like everything in between mm -hmm. from A to fucking Z. But anyway... Yeah. I don't even know that Khalil Herbert's going to be the starter this year. You told me, Aldo, over and over and over, our starter is going to be picked in the draft. And everybody keeps saying that the kid we drafted was like a steal. Like uh, even geez. the Bears said, how could he? They didn't even think he'd be there. And then you got the guy from the Carolina that they signed who looks like a, like a horse. Yes, he is. So <laughs> I'm not sure that Herbert's even going to be, I mean, I don't know. Like I figure the kid from it's between him and the guy from Carolina who's going to start, right? Mm -hmm. And then bring the rookie along slowly in an ideal world. I, I don't know that Herbert's going to start even now. I think the guy from Carolina is probably better. You know, I, I want I want to hear Aaron's thoughts on this because I I, I bet you if we did a poll, it would be thirty percent, thirty percent, thirty percent with with whatever percentage is left over. You know, somebody else, the the kid from uh, that yeah. we picked up. Uh, and Homer, it, or whatever his name is, and it's funny that you mentioned that because earlier I was I was looking at an article and I just brought it up here. the The title of the article is "Bears Don't Want a Bell Cow Back," so it still sounds like I don't think that Chicago is going to focus on one feature back. It still sounds like it's going to be running back by committee. Mm -hmm. um, with all the different running backs that we got, it seems like they're all going to have different things that they can do and, and things they may specialize at. I mean, hell, we still got a fucking fullback, which I enjoy very much. So I. I think Herbert will do well. I think he'll I think he'll take a step up, you know, being the veteran in the locker room as far as this team is concerned. But I don't know that that he's gonna be like, you know, a breakout all-star or anything like that, especially with you know uh, the, the rookie coming up. And I forget I can't remember his, his name, Roshan Johnson. Is that who it is? Oh Roshan Johnson, sure shit. Roshan Johnson, yeah. Um, and everything I've heard about him is like they had the uh rookie mini camp and they said there was two people that literally were blowing the coaches up with 
without pads. I thought you were um, saying they were blowing the coaches. They were blowing like, the coaches, so he may get a couple <laughs> more reps than the other people. You well, know, that would be tremendous. Whatever works. Like, story. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like there was – I can't remember the other one, but they said, yeah, everything we saw, there was two different teammates that were hitting the coach who had the pads so hard, the coaches lost their balance and fell backwards, and one of them was Roshan Johnson. I mean, he's got an article, too, that I've seen. I haven't read it yet, but he said basically he doesn't like training camps. because like, how can you stiff arm somebody? Uh, can't stiff arm somebody without pads on is what he said. Um, so he's not overly fun without having pads on. He wants to get them on and he wants to thump. When we get pads on, my playing style will definitely show. I hate practicing without pads on. You can't run into somebody with no shoulder pads on. You can't stiff arm somebody. Basically, I've just got to run and can't use my body as a weapon. That's the worst part of it. And yep fucking love that that gets me that so sounds like something walter would have said yeah no exactly <laughs> that's that's roshan johnson got quoted as with with saying that so that's exciting oops sorry <laughs> um i i think that uh, I, I think aaron nailed it on the head when he said this is going to be a, a running back by committee and that there is not going to be a bell cow back um i do believe and i like this approach play the hot hand Play the running back that is a better matchup for the type of defense that you're playing. If you're playing a defense that is soft off the middle, then you go with Dante Foreman, you know, a big, big bruising back who can break tackles. Mm -hmm. If you're playing a, a defense that is susceptible to those cutback runs, then you bring in Khalil Herbert. He's going to be explosive against teams like that. And then in, in training cap, you're going to see what you have with Rashawn Johnson. He might end up being, you know, the, the best at both of those types of style. Mm -hmm. uh, and if that's the case, then he should get the lion's share of, of the touches. But I think that this team, and, and can't forget about Travis Homer too, because he is probably the best pass blocking running back on this yeah. team. He, he's going to see some playing time, particularly on third down, you know, those third down and long situations. So I love the running back room for the Chicago Bears. I don't know if Khalil Herbert is going to make a monumental leap. I think he'll have very similar numbers to what he had last year, but that's not bad. You know, take a look at those numbers again. Uh, a 5.7 uh, uh, per yards carry. Um, you know, I'd love to see him get more involved in the passing game to see if he can really catch but maybe that's not his strength. And if that's the case, then he might, like Dan said, be seeing the fewest snaps out of, out of everybody. All right, let's move on. Let's see who else is next. Oh, Dan's favorite, Cole Komet. Now, Dan, I, I got to tell you, he had 24 fewer targets than in 2021. For some reason, despite the fact that we saw better chemistry between Fields and Komet, he was throwing the ball 24 fewer times than in 2021. He had 10 fewer catches than he had in 2021. He had 60 in 2021. He had 68 fewer yards than in 2021. But here's the big thing. He had seven touchdowns in 2022 when he had zero in 2021. Yeah. Dan, let me start with you again. What are your expectations on Cole? I'm not as down on Komet as Nomad is. But I was a detractor early on. And most of his statistical uh, accomplishments in 2021 were when the Bears were down. I mean, down, 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 and having to throw in the fourth quarter. So those numbers were slightly inflated during, quote-unquote, garbage time. Mm -hmm. 
I, and again, I don't have a stat to say what quarter he caught those in, but just based upon recollection, most of his statistical uh, breakdown was during times that weren't meaningful. In 2022, he had a far superior season. He had that great catch in Atlanta, if you remember. Thank you for fucking mentioning. I was so pissed when that didn't win catch of the year. Yeah, that was like a Lynn Swan kind of catch. He threw it, Cole turned, got hit in the hip. He caught it and brought it. That was such a fucking phenomenal catch. Thank you so much for mentioning that because I haven't heard anybody talk about that. And that's like the one play stitch into my fucking head from last year. Yeah, my guy, our guy, Dan, Mr. Shorty was at that game. Yes. Um, so a great, great catch. And he was catching some meaningful touchdowns. Like you said, seven touchdowns in 2022, but also keep this in mind. The line was just in flux pretty much both years struggling. So Justin's running for his life or literally just running the plays a run play. And he still had seven touchdown receptions. Cole did everything he could do in 2022. Now, I don't know what that's going to mean for the last year of his deal. If he's going to be resigned, if they're looking to replace him, I can't say. But he took a large leap forward based upon his first two years, in my opinion. And that's typically the growth period for most tight ends. Yeah, you mm-hmm. get you know, occasionally you know, a superstar tight end who explodes on the scene immediately and has great numbers. But most tight ends, you know, it takes them two or three years to, to get the hang of what they're doing because they're, they're the responsibilities are, are twice as much. They got to know the route tree and they got to know all the blocking assignments. And that's a, that's a tough responsibility. And Cole, you know, he, he clearly, I wish he would have adapted faster, but it's not like he had a great team around him that would have helped him. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> so I have high expectations for Cole. And I wonder too, with the acquisition of Robert Tunyon, who is really is very, very similar, isn't yep. he, Aaron? Aren't yep. the, wouldn't you consider them very similar? I would, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm really excited because, correct me if I'm wrong, but did he grow up a Bears fan? Like, yes. Robert yeah. Tunyon, both I think. of them. So, yeah. Both of them did. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I knew Notre Dame Cole Komet did, but Robert Tunyon, who was a Packer, grew up a Bears fan, so having him on the team is, is going to be cool, too. So I, I'm interested to see the workload between the two of those, who's going to get a little bit more time. Um and I know that our offensive scheme is tight end heavy. So maybe they'll have, you know, maybe they'll both be in at the same time in some different packages and, and maybe sometimes they won't. I don't, I don't know, but you know, I, I hope Cole takes another step forward. Um, and like, and I, I've heard him different shows too. He He's not, you know, the Travis Kelsey kind of tight end, right? He's not, he's not catch everything, but he, he is dependable. Um, he's definitely somebody from what I understand you want on the team. And then like you though, Dan, I was last year, I was, Coming into 2022, I was like, Cole Komet is not the fucking guy. And I saw enough out of him to continue to want him to to grow and excel. But, I mean, the, the first couple of years with him, I'm like, I'm not seeing anything that I really overly like. I mean, especially the first couple of years, he had happy hands. Almost he was every time down. they hit him, every time they hit him, he'd just clap it. And he would, he was, he, he would jump and try and catch it, like, in his gut. Like, he wouldn't use his fucking his hands. And it drove me crazy. And he'd drop it. So, I... I'd like him to take a step, and I've probably got a whole list of people I'd like to take a step, but I don't know if they will or not. Um, I There's no reason he shouldn't, but you wonder if, if he didn't have – if he had less targets last year with no fucking weapons when we've got Robert Tanya and we've got DJ Moore and we've got Chase Claypool, we've got, you know, Roshan Johnson. Are, is anybody else a little concerned that he may have a diminished role? Because but you know what concerns me about what, about what you're saying is, is Lou Getzey. 
the, you know, I could see us being having the same show in October saying, why the fuck is blank inactive today? It'll be a weapon that we like, and he'll have fucking, you know, all these guys that can't catch like Pettis and St. Brown in there. Like Pettis back too, didn't he? Yeah, you? they'll have them active on game day just because, you know, well, maybe he can return a punt. Maybe he can block and then sit someone down like Komet or, or, or Tanyan or, or somebody else who, who could, you know, have hands, maybe Claypool in favor of someone that can't really do much. And shit like that just drives me crazy. I but will. on paper... The, the the running back, the proverbial running back room, I hate saying room, Ryan Pace yeah. always said that. Yeah. The running backs look better on paper. The tight ends look better on paper. The wide receivers look better on paper. We just have to secure this offensive line. We need to sign another veteran, in my mm. opinion, to nope, do so. I agree. Uh, in, in my opinion, if I was a GM, I'd be looking for one, at least one more starting offensive lineman, and we need edge rusher and people that a get center. Terrific. But, well, it's actually one of the people on my list that I expect – We'll talk about here later. Um, but kind of based off what you were, I wonder if, because, I mean, everybody's like, why the fuck isn't so-and-so in? They did so good. He'd be. I wonder how much of that was Getsy kind of throwing his hands up and said, we, we're going to see what we can get out of the people that we got. I mean, I know last year, obviously, we didn't think we we're going to go to the big game or anything like that. But I wonder how much of last year at a certain point was, okay, we have to put everybody in to see what we have. We, we You know, what we have isn't working. So are we going to, we're going to put so-and-so in to see if we can get something going with them. And if, and if that wasn't the mindset, maybe like we have to see if this person could do something to know if we're going to bring them back or not. Like how much of putting in a person that was questionable had to do with throwing shit at a wall to see what stuck. That's an arguable point. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it, I can't remember the, the, the guy who dropped all the punch, but then the fuck, Phyllis Jones, same, I'm right there with oh. you, same thing. It's like, why is he playing? How, like, two, for sure, two, two games you ruined for us by muffing a punt. I mean, there was the other kid that came from the Vikings. Came from the Vikings too. Did the same thing. Like punt killed us last year. But that, I, that's the one I can remember. Valus Jones Jr. Like, why is he in the game? There are so many different people I'd rather be putting in right now instead of him. And I, I didn't make a graphic for Valus, but why don't we talk about him right now? Let me make sure. Didn't I? No, I, yeah, I didn't do one. Um, do you think he's going to make a leap this year, Aaron? I have not <laughs> seen enough to think that he will. I don't I don't like being negative in anything, but there's a point it's like I haven't seen enough out of him. I've seen him to him I wonder last year I was like why is he still here? All last year, even to this year when we've vamped up, you know, different we drafted a wide receiver, we signed a stud wide receiver, there's a part of me that's like put him on the I don't even know if he belongs to the practice squad at this point. Um I I know he had flashes last year and we keep talking about flashes. Um for me personally, I'm unimpressed. I was not happy. I was texting Dan and, and Toots the whole time last year during the draft too. I'm like, why didn't we pick a receiver? We could this guy and that guy. Pickens is still there. And we 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 screwed we didn't pick that. And it's like, who the fuck is Velas Jones Jr.? He's 25. I've never heard of him. Granted, I'm not, you know, some college football guru or by any means. And then a lived up to my expectations. I was like, I don't know who this guy is, and he's a gadget guy at best, and he just butter like Mr. Mayhem said, butterfingers. You couldn't count on him. He had two or three. I think he had at least one touchdown. But for me, he doesn't make a great catch against Buffalo. That's yeah. the only the only yeah. time I can remember him doing anything. 
he doesn't make you know fuck Cedric Cohen back instead of Velas Jones Jr. You know at this point because at least Reek you could you didn't know what he was gonna do it was kind of exciting but Velas Jones he's on this like okay well, he's gonna get the ball he's gonna drop it I I did not see anything really encouraging out of Velas Jones as far as I'm concerned. Every time Velas did catch it he was almost oh he almost dropped it. Yep I'm talking on the punt returns or, or yeah. kick returns later. Yeah. Anytime he he held on to it he almost dropped it. Yeah he almost fumbled every time he didn't fumble. Every single time, yep. I um, I still believe in Valus Jones, and yeah, I'm I'm with you. I didn't know him uh, when he was drafted either. He was over at Tennessee, five year, six year player at Tennessee. Um, so he came in, comes into the league at 25, 26 years old, but saw his speed, and that of course is something you can't teach football players. They either have speed or not, and so I I do think that. He was mishandled a bit by the coaching staff. They probably should have had him after that first muff or fumble, whatever you want to call it, on that return. They probably should have dealt with him a little bit differently. But I, I still think the guy, having seen his highlight reel at Tennessee, I think the guy can still be a valuable asset and you know be more of a gadget player those wide receiver screens if he can make that first tackler miss he's gone he's just he's just has that tremendous but have we seen that though like it's i get potential at a certain point but it's like he could be but i i mean okay one year i realize i'm being a bastard right one year not impressed and and like we we talk about so many other players give him a chance so maybe that's to be my my attitude with him going forward you know, maybe I'm just being a cunt. I don't know. I just, I haven't seen enough out of him to know, but maybe we should give him a chance. Like, do you, Aldo, do you genuinely think that he could be a key a key player for the Bears? I think so, but not as a starter. He's not going to see more snaps than Darnell Mooney, uh, Chase Claypool, uh, DJ Moore. He's, you know, who's the fourth receiver on this? Probably uh, Steve Brown because he blocks. Yeah, he, he probably won't. Scott at this point, too, though. Who knows? I hope he blows yeah, up in camp. That's right. You know what? And both of them are really similar because Tyler Scott's biggest problem is uh, handling the ball. He dropped yeah, a lot, right? He, is that, that was one of the main things? Yes. But the guy is a special player. He's a highlight reel. So it's going to be an interesting camp battle. Those two guys could be could be battling for snaps. And I, I I got a gut feeling that Velas will win it just because of the experience and they'll bring Tyler along a lot slower. So we'll see. Velas Jones. All right, Let let's look at that. Let me ask you a question, Aldo. Sure. Would you rather have, if you could do it over again, it's in a hypothetical scenario, would you rather have just kept Patterson as opposed to yes. drafting Velas Jones? Asked when we cut him. I was so mad. He loved being a bear. I wanted mm-hmm. him to stay so bad, dude. Yeah, All and right. he Sorry was to interrupt, but no, no, that's, yeah. that's my buddy's an Atlanta out. fan, and he rubbed it in my face when he broke the record. I was like, you son of a I was so mad. I wanted to keep CP so bad. He loved being a bear. I mean, how many clips was like, how about them bears? Every time they'd win, and it was the <laughs> best thing, dude. I sorry, I just I love CP. I was heartbroken when we let him go. And he uh, scored I, against us too. Yeah, that was the exactly. record, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I so. The record against, fuck, that's the most Chicago Bears shit possible. Hey, the, you know, we're not even close to the record. You're a great player. Fuck off. Go, oh, you're going to break the record against us? Son of a bitch. That's, the, the weird thing is, is that he made $5 million in each of his two seasons with the Chicago Bears. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe they can negotiate him down a little bit to $4 million. I think he signed a $3.5 million contract with the Falcons. Where, it, if we even tried. 
Yeah, exactly. I don't know yeah. if we even tried. I, I really do. And and the coaching staff, when, when Patterson was here, they didn't know how to utilize that immense talent that guy has. He's a, mm. he's a great playmaker, and it's arguable that this coaching staff uh, knows how to handle playmakers too. You know, we'll, we'll have to see it. All right, let's talk more uh, wide receivers. Let's go to Darnell Mooney. Um, look at the progress or kind of the roller coaster career he's had. 61 receptions, 81 receptions, 40 uh, receptions. He had a 1,000-yard receiving season in 2021. He's never had more than four touchdowns, four in his first two years, two last season. He was injured in game 12 of 2022. And prior to that, he had only missed one game, and that was, I believe, the playoff game against the Saints because of an ankle injury, and he is questionable for the start of the 2023 camp. So uh, let me start with you, Mr. Aaron. What do you think about Mr. Mooney? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was reading something about there. He's not a super promising as far as his injury update is. Um, God, I'd love to have him back. Um, I think with, I mean, he, I think Mooney himself said something about with DJ Moore and the team is going to take pressure off of him. He's going to be able to get more receptions because, you know, two years ago it was a Robin Mooney and Mooney had a lighted up year. And then a Rob wasn't here with us and everybody zoned in on Mooney, you know, and it's, and I hear a lot of people talk about Mooney being number two wide receiver at best, you know, number maybe 1.5 on certain teams, but I, I think he could really take a step forward if he's healthy enough to take that step forward, especially with, like I said, the different help with DJ Moore. It's going to take practically all of our, you know, he's going to be the big body that everybody's going to be looking at, and it's going to be great to have, you know, Mooney on the team. Um, if he's healthy, hopefully he comes back by training camp. If it, And I'm not so worried about him not making it back by training camp other than, like, conditioning and get his body callous and football ready because he's been in the system already. I'd be more concerned if that was a different receiver, but Mooney's, you know, this will be his third year with Fields. I think he'll be fine. And, and honestly, I do expect him to take a step up next or this year, rather, I guess. Dan, uh, you want some negativity? Do it. Oh, Bring it. <laughs> Look, I like Mooney. I'm going to root for Mooney. Mooney had a what looked like a devastating injury. I think it was against the Jets. Mm -hmm. I believe yeah. he and Eddie Jackson got hurt in the same game, right? Mm-hmm. Look, Mooney is on his last year of his contract, but the same could be said for Chase Claypool. Now, we've given up a second-round pick to acquire Claypool with this general manager. The previous general manager drafted Mooney, what, in the fifth round? Mm -hmm. They're not going to re-sign both of these guys. Let's keep it real. And it's going to be Claypool's job to lose. Like, to me, either Chase is so great that we can't afford to keep him, or... He's about average on the same par with Mooney, and if they if he's about even with Mooney, they will they will keep Chase because he was for a second round pick, and this general manager traded for him. My only pushback against that would be if Fields has a clear connection with Mooney and nothing develops with with Claypool. I mean, if Claypool and and, and Fields never really connect, they never mesh. And, and even if, if Claypool has a few flashes that are good, but Mooney's more consistent, I think they're going to keep Mooney for the sole purpose that he's been with Fields for three years now. Oh, he would have to be a head and shoulders above Chase, in my view. For unless them to bring there's him something we, like I said, unless there's a clear disconnect between Claypool and Fields. 
Like if they just don't link up and even if there's, you know, because we saw last year, Claypool popped off in the fucking in the sideline. He wasn't happy. He was throwing his helmet. He was screaming at people and fields had to go calm him down because Claypool wasn't getting the ball and he's being a pissy bitch about it. So if if that doesn't change, no matter, I don't, I don't want to say no matter how good Claypool is, because if he's head and shoulders above Mooney, like you're saying, they're going to sign him. But if if no, no I'm like saying Mooney a, has to be head and shoulders above. Chase I know, but what back. I'm saying is, if it's if it's more of a 50-50 and Claypool and Fields don't mesh like they know Fields and Mooney do, and Fields is their guy, I think they're like. But Claypool how do we Mooney. know that he and and uh, Mooney we don't, mesh? We don't. Uh, because well, Mooney, I mean, Mooney didn't do that well last year. Of course, he got but again, hurt. But he was also targeted. I mean, he didn't have the pressure last year, two years ago, like he did last year. He was, right. however, when you look at it, he was our number one receiver last year, and everybody fucking knew it in the beginning of the year. They're like, okay, Chicago Bears, Mooney, like that's the guy we have to target. So I guess we'll see this year with with Mooney and Claypool, um, as far as then DJ Moore, and I think DJ Moore is going to be the good equalizer between the two of them because I think everybody knows that Moore is going to be our, our number one clear and away wide receiver on the team. So it's it's going to be an interesting year going forward to see does Claypool come, live up to the promise of that second round pick, and if he does, is he head and shoulders above Mooney, or does Mooney have a resurgence that we saw two years ago when Allen Robinson took most of the heat off of him in the place kill? So it's, I think I think there's a lot to go into the, the two different ones. It's it's too early to tell, um, but I mean personally, I haven't seen enough out of Claypool to even consider him being here with an extension. I'd like to him me, to. To me, nepotism. Is just a fact of life. And Fair. this general manager traded for him. This general manager believes in Claypool, a second round pick. He did not draft Mooney. Mooney's well, going to, have to show a hell of a yeah. lot more than Claypool for this general manager to say, I made a mistake and give up on Chase, in my estimation. No, and that's totally fair. And I could be way off base by saying, unless Fields has a better connection with Moody, feels better about Moody. And if if Poles is 100% down with Fields and tells him, you're a guy, who do you want? And Fields is like Moody, I think he's going to listen. I think he's going to take Moody over Claypool. I got to tell you, I um, really believe that this wide receiver room is one of the best that the Bears have had in, in quite some time. Probably right. back to the Elshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, uh, era, but they do have a lot to prove. And mm. I I know that there is this connection with Fields and Mooney. Aaron talked about it. And I really do think that I, the only one of the things that I worry about this season is, is Fields going to favor Mooney so much that it becomes a little bit destructive to the rhythm of the offense? This offense really requires the quarterback to just make decisions on who's open as opposed to dropping back and looking for one particular player. And sometimes I felt Fields was doing that for Mooney to try to get him into the game. And and perhaps he was doing that because he knew that's my best weapon. Yeah. I got to get him going. Yeah. So I, I I expect Mooney, if he is healthy, I expect him to pick up where he left off. He might not have he might not get the same kind of stats he did in his sophomore season, but I still anticipate him being a very, very productive player. But I feel like this is the guy who's gonna have a big season for the Chicago Bears. Now 
look at this. Last year, he only had 29 targets, caught 14 of them, zero touchdowns. He did get seven first downs. He played the seven, first seven games, or excuse me, he played the last seven games for the Bears. In eight games for the Steelers last season, he was targeted 50 times. He had 32 catches for 311 yards. Look at that difference. 29 targets in seven games with the Bears, with the Steelers, Eight games, he's targeted 50 times. He caught, remember, he caught nine touchdowns in his rookie year. Mm -hmm. And then after his rookie year, Ben Roethlisberger started to deteriorate. But he, in last year, before he was traded to the Bears, he caught 48% of his passes from fields, 58% with the Steelers, and 64% of those were without Roethlisberger. Mm -hmm. So this guy just needs time to get acclimated with the offense, yeah. acclimated with fields, and he'll be fine. My understanding last year is he wasn't picking up the playbook. Um, and because wasn't there games even after we signed him, we didn't play him. He didn't play. We sat him. And I and I think because if, if he didn't sit, he didn't play. My mm -hmm. understanding last year from everything that I'd heard was he just he was really struggling to pick up the playbook. Um, coming in out of nowhere on a brand new team and trying to learn the playbook I heard was, was his primary struggle. I, I, I'm not sure if I remember hearing that, but I Could would be not totally wrong. I don't my, know. My only concern with Claypool is where, where his head is at. You know, uh, he has been kind of described as a bit of a diva. He had the sideline ta tantrum against fields when he was open on a short pass and fields didn't dump it off and instead got sacked. Um, Claypool could potentially be that diva that doesn't progress because of what's inside is. I don't know if it's fair to call him a diva in that situation. Might be, about, I said. Yeah. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm saying the Bears were two and one and finished three and 14. Now, granted, Chase wasn't there until the Miami game. Mm -hmm. But when you come there and you don't win a single game, Chase Claypool has not been in a victory with the Bears yet. They've lost every game since he got there. So if you're in a, a guy who comes from a team in Pittsburgh that's used to winning for the most part, and you come to this team and hasn't won a fucking game, and he was right. Fields did take a sack and should have thrown in the ball. He's showing you some fire. He's showing you the lack. The rest of the team, a lot of times, felt like they were sleepwalking, going through uh, just apathetic toward the end of the season. Uh, Claypool at the end of the year was showing you, I still give a fuck. See, and I heard... I'm going to sneeze here. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. The opposite. Like, I heard that the team never stopped trying for the team. It seemed like maybe for us, it they came out, you know, flat-footed. But, like, everything yeah. that I've heard from, like, everybody else, like, no, they, they played through. They, they want to succeed. But my thing about Claypool, and even last year somebody said it, and it was true right after the trade, is the Roonies don't make mistakes. The Roonies and Mike Tomlin, they would not have kept Claypool if they thought Claypool was worth the shit. Right. Like that's, there's very few owners. There's very few owners that are the name of, but I know the Roonies because my younger brother's a fucking Steelers fan. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a story for another day. But, on, but, Pittsburgh passed on Dan Marino, who played at Pitt. So, I mean, they've made okay. some mistakes. Yeah, they have. But as far as <coughs> knowing talent and keeping talent that they value, they don't let good players go. I think they may have seen something, and this projection, I don't know. They may have seen something with him, his game, his personality, his declining stats, because his rookie season was a big breakout season. He didn't, he kind of went a little down after that. So that's one of those things, too, that like if, if the Roonies let him go and, and Tomlin let him go, part of me is like, okay, we're missing something. 
because like I said, the Rooney's don't make mistakes. They wouldn't let him go. And, and sure as fuck Tomlin as the coach wouldn't let him go. If they saw him as an integral piece going forward. Well, look, here goes the devil's advocate position. Now, again, mm -hmm. you could be totally right. I'm not disputing what you're saying. Right. How many players on the bears do we have that you wouldn't take a second round pick for? It's not I mean, like they gave him to us for a sixth rounder. I mean, they did get a second round pick. How many people on our yeah. team would we say, no, second round, not enough? Justin Fields, right? We right. wouldn't trade Justin Fields for a second round pick. Maybe not DJ Moore, even though we haven't seen him yet. And obviously the linebackers that we just signed. All right. How many other players on the team would you say negative on a second you round? You got pick? me. You got me. That, I mean, that's a great way to put it. I, I don't know that there's many, if any, people other than, you know, Fields or DJ Moore at this point that I wouldn't. So that that's a valid that's a valid point. I I don't have I don't have a pushback against that. Definitely the guy we Edmonds from Buffalo, we wouldn't trade him for a second round pick, but or TJ Edwards from Philly, I don't even think at this point either. Well, well, yeah. So I mean there's not a lot of players on the team that, so Pittsburgh got compensated a lot for well, Chase got, More importantly, they got our second round pick, not just a second round pick. <laughs> right. and, and somehow they knew that we were gonna shit the bed fucking heads away the first round pick. So mm -hmm. I think that's an important distinction as far as just going saying a second round pick. Yeah, we may be looking back at this draft and say, fuck, man, we could have had Joey Porter Jr. That's what the Steelers used with that draft pick. Uh, and uh, Joey Porter Jr., by all accounts, is going to be an outstanding cornerback in this I season. I like that he went to Pittsburgh, though, right? Like, his it's, dad was a Steelers. So There's a point where it's like, I'm not even going to sweat that, dude. That's fucking cool. Yeah. I'm worried I'm not, about Philly taking the, the pick that we swapped and, instead of taking 88 I'm there. Yeah, Carter. He, and it's – we got to scroll way up in the chat. Aldo, somebody asked us. Actually, somebody asked Dan that in the very beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. um, somebody, I'm going to try and find it here real quick. I'm somebody sorry said, for not Dan, seeing. I don't have access to. The no, chat no, no. Here. I understand. That's that's why I'm bringing it up. Somebody said, Dan, what do you think about Chicago passing on Jalen Carter um, and giving him to the Eagles? Basically, it was like right in the beginning. Let me see. If it's I can scary. It. It's it's scary to me because of the potential. The guy could be just this hoss. But I'm hoping that we drafted a great offensive lineman from Tennessee. Uh, you know, that's going to protect fields. I mean, he's a mountain of a man, and I, I it's what we need. And it, have you heard about what they've said about him in training camp so far? They well, said the, the stories about how slow for him. What camp slow seems for him? slow? The game. They said the oh. game seems slow for him. They said he's on it. They said he's got his feet where they need to be. He's got his hands where they need to be. They said he's such a freak, athletically long arms, tall, as heavy as and strong as you want. So, by all again. They're not going to say anything bad about him, right? And I understand right. that. But everything from what I understand so far is the coaches are super impressed with him and, and you know, in the little capacity that we've even seen him. There you mm -hmm. go. See, right there, King Pookie, right? Well, but I got to tell you, I am so impressed with the way Ryan Poles and his team went about making that decision. They spent 24 hours with Jalen Carter. Twice. They put him through twice. They put him through the test and so forth. Then they go spend 24 hours with Darnell Wright, and they worked out that guy like, you know, I, I don't Busted know. Might, might have been, against, <laughs> might have been they, against the rules. The, the way, way that he out. put it, he's like, they tried to make me quit. They said, mm -hmm. and, and I don't know, literally, they, like they threw me in the deep end. And, of course, Adam Hogue's like, they literally threw him in a pool. I don't know if they did or not, but it's fun to pretend they did. But, yeah, they, they, it sounds like they, they tried to break Del Darnell Wright's from my understanding. Mm -hmm. And he passed the test, and and so I love that. I mean, that's 
probably the best thing that you can do besides evaluating every snap and talking to trainers and towel boys and mothers and fathers and cousins and everybody to accumulate as, as much information character-wise, but in terms of making sure that this guy has the football character, you run, put him on the board. I told you a play 10 minutes ago. Do you recall it? Put it up on the board and tell me mm -hmm. all the nuances of the play. Let's go outside. And then to work him to death and to see how much he can take and does he complain and stuff, that to me, I have, I don't recall that ever being how a mm -hmm. uh, a Bears organization treated a, a potential first-round pick. You know, and, uh, instead they – you, you know, we'll take him out to dinner and then ask him what car you drive and then get all giddy. Oh, you, you drive an 87 Toyota. <laughs> he used his name to bring that. McMahon, he used McMahon. Bring that car when you come up here. Okay? You know, <laughs> the thing is that ultimately, if you listen to any of our shows and that seemingly the two or three months where all we did was talk about the draft because that's what everyone was talking about. And that's what you have to talk about. But how many times during that, that duration did I say I wanted them to draft alignment? I wanted help for Justin Fields. So the same, again, the same way. I'll take it. I'll take it, man. I, I think I'm pissed off that they didn't draft more help. You know, yeah. like I wanted another center in there. Like, cause again, I don't have any confidence at Cody Whitehair at this point. We don't know what we have with, with uh, Patrick, and we damn sure don't want Sam Mustafer back. Thank no. you, David. I appreciate you. I've got some uh, – it's funny, the people we expect to we'll – we'll get the rest of the list. I've actually got Lucas Patrick on my list as the people I expect to take a big deal. Because um, – and, and it, I've listened to Greg Gabriel, right? And he's mm -hmm. and he said flat out, he's like, they're not going to draft a center high because mm -hmm. they need a veteran. And and the Packers did not want to let Lucas Patrick go. Um, he got kind of – he got injured last year. He didn't get a shot at center – for me, spoiler alert to where our litter discussion, Lucas Patrick is definitely at the top of my list of people I think is going to excel and succeed this year. Real quick, I found the name of the fucking dude we kept forgetting, Amir Smith-Marset. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mentioned Smith. I said Smith-Marset yeah, because Smith I'm making a Smith-Marset reference. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Amir Smith-Marset, just before I forgot. <laughs> he just came from Miami and played for the Vikings. But yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so that Lucas Patrick, I think, going forward, he's, he's one dude that I would expect to – well, let, let's but. let's stay with Lucas since you brought him up. You know, I, I apologize. I don't have a graphic for him, but I, I've kind of come to the resolution that Patrick is going to be the swings uh, guard, backup guard and backup center, that that's going mm -hmm. to be his role with the team. I hope not. I think Poles is pretty convinced that white hair is going to be the center, uh, but we'll see. But yeah, uh, uh, Aaron, you're absolutely right. What's his name? Uh, Greg Gabriel went back and looked at every snap that Patrick had at center for the Green mm -hmm. Bay Packers and said the guy can fucking play center. And they didn't want him to go. They didn't. Um, right. And it's one of the very few good stories about. Well, that's Aaron what Rogers. he's going to start at center for us because he wasn't any good at left guard, and Cody Whitehair wasn't great at center five years ago, and now he's thirty years old or whatever. And yeah. like, why is he suddenly head and shoulders above the guy who's? who signed a two-year deal. So mm -hmm. this is like his get-paid year as well. And like you said, everyone said he was good at center for Green Bay. Then he's got to be the starter to me, not Cody. I snapped the ball so high at inopportune times wide yeah. hair. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. He Lucas, would he break his forearm or his hand last year? Like white, right in the beginning of the year. Even, yep. maybe and wide hair broke, broke my heart 15 <laughs> times at center. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> now I, I I remember there being like four or five bad snaps, and Dan keeps telling me no, every game he had a bad snap. He did. Remember. It was always like third and four, third and five. Oh, there's a bad snap. It was always at the worst time. Like to use a sexual analogy, it's right when the woman's coming, and then all of a sudden he gets a cramp in his foot and he has to stop and she doesn't come. <laughs> that's cool. It happens, here. Dan. Okay, not everybody's perfect in bed. Come on. Oh, I'm definitely yeah. not perfect. And I'm just saying, <laughs> to me, white hair is an orgasm stopper. <laughs> you know, white hair, at least for me, is is the same as Aldo was saying for Leno. I mean, he's head and shoulders above Leno, but he's dependable, right? I mean, that's one dude that, yes, he fucks up. You, you never want to see your lineman's name Ever like that was one of the things. Listen to all the 800 Bears podcasts. Listen to that they talked about with uh, the fucking Northwest. It's Karonsky. They're like, yeah, he's boring. He's he never hears his name. He's just perfect. He's he's quiet. He does his job, and that's like, thank you, PJ. He yeah. did have bad snaps. People forget that for some reason. I'm sorry, Aaron. No, 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 no you're good, man. It's, it's he had so many bad snaps. Agreed. And and if he doesn't play center, I would I I want to see what uh, fucking Lucas Patrick is that right? Lucas, I, I want to see what he can do. Like I said, when the team, when Aaron Rodgers doesn't want that dude to leave the team as center, you know he's he's doing something right. I I really would like to see him start as our center. Well, to to comment on what Cliff said, that we've got to get Patrick some fucking blue bombers here. We got to get him some Viagra. Then his dick doesn't work because we need him. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's we'll have to wait and see. I honestly think our our line is gonna be better. I think it's gonna be better than last year, um, mm-hmm. especially with adding Darnell right. And then I can't remember that we added a guy from the Titans. Who's, yeah, is there any hope that the guy from the Titans just plays is. left guard because everyone keeps saying he's gonna go to right? Yes. What is. are we gonna do with Jenkins then? Tevin Jenkins has already been told that he's gonna be the left guard this season. Important. I mean, Jenkins has been Jenkins with? has been left tackle, right tackle, right guard. Hell, why don't we play him at center now? He's Chicago the next lineman, like, dude. That's the thing. Of fucking yeah, buddy. set the positions and well, okay. Last year, I get it. I mean, they admitted last year we're gonna we're gonna go through a whole bunch of different things to try and find the right lineup. But there's no excuse as far as I'm concerned. You have to find the lineup before the season starts and leave it alone. Just leave we, it alone. We did that. We ruined Kyle Long with that shit. Putting exactly him exactly right, exactly, and, and right. Then left tackle, and then guard, and, yep. and and again, Whitehair himself, I think's growth was stunted yep. from guard, from guard to center, from guard to center, guard well, to center. James Daniels, same thing. He played center, and then like he's like he's not loud enough to play center. He's gonna yeah. go over to play this. It's the same way, you know. It's, it's Chicago where receivers go to die, but it's like linemen don't get really solidified either. So I get it. Well, let's yeah. move on to Tevin Jenkins because I had him on this list of players. Do you expect him to make, have a breakout year in 2022? He only allowed uh, 22 uh, sacks. Excuse me, two sacks. Really? Now he he did play. Yeah, he only allowed two sacks in 2022. Now he did play 73 percent of the offensive line snaps, and that of course was because of injury. There were also you know there were some concerns about him early in the season. Um, he had the third highest grade for guards mm-hmm. on a pro football focus but he was 39th graded guard in pass blocking so his run blocking is extraordinary but the pass blocking still needs some hope uh, help and uh, just a note here Cody Whitehair and Nate Davis had similar pass blocking scores in fact yeah. when I went when I went to pro football focus to see the grade on Tevin Jenkins it was Cody Whitehair 
uh, Tevin Jenkins, and then Nate Davis at like 37, 38, 39, whatever the numbers were. So um, that concerns me a little bit. Now it is pro football focus, so fuck them. Uh, but what do you guys think? Go ahead, uh, Dan. I think Whitehair has been a part. I'm not blaming him, but going back to the time he's been a rookie, what was that, 2015, 16, somewhere through there? The whole time he's been here, he's been a part of the problem. Not saying he was the problem, but the line has sucked almost the entire time he's been there. So I I would keep Tevin Jenkins over white hair all day based upon the fact that this kid's young. He's got and it seems like they they pick on this guy all as soon as they got here. It's just like there are rumors they were trying to trade him and maybe cut him. It's like if he were a woman, they'd get a restraining yeah. order against Ryan Poles from this guy. You know, like quit fucking with him. Let him play football. Like Whitehair has been consistently average his whole career. This guy could end up being good. The Cody White or excuse me, uh Tevin Jenkins is a mauler. Like you just you know, I don't watch the tape, but I know plenty of people that do watch the tape. And was like, there's at least two games, uh, two plays a game where like he just fucking buried that guy. One thing that I think is important to mention with with Tevin, and and it's probably not talked about enough, is is the mental space. It wasn't until halfway through his, he didn't know if he was gonna be here because they kept telling him, remember, like you said, Dan didn't already get to trade him. He didn't know if he was gonna get traded. And and to his credit, polls later in the year came out and said, he's like, I should have done a much better job of telling Tevin he was our guy. He wasn't going to stay here. We're going to hang out here. And and it was, I don't remember if it was Adam Hogue or Adam Johns or any of the guys from whatever else podcast, they were talking to him in the locker room. He's like, yeah, he's like, week to week, day to day, my wife and I, we didn't know. He's like, we were ready to pack up because they never told me I was going to be here. He's like, I was constantly thinking that it was going to be my last practice, my last game, my last day. Chicago That's a Bears. terrible feeling. And it's got to be the worst. And you have to figure if he didn't show up last year, how much that's going to fucking wear on his head. But again, to his credit, at a certain point, it sounds like Poles did have a sit down talk with him. He's like, hey, we really appreciate you. We're going to stick with you. And even Poles to the media admitted, he's like, I did not do a very good job. And I should have been better at communicating this with Tevin. We did. I recall that. Yeah. Um, I got a feeling that Tevin's going to have a really good year. I don't think the change to the left guard position is going to be that difficult for him. I, I know that he played some left guard in college. He played a lot of left tackle too. So he's seen a lot of action from that left side of the line. I was worried when they moved him to right guard because, you know, he had been on the left side for so long in college that they moved him to right side, but he did a phenomenal job uh, last season. I do have uh, some concerns about some of the things we were just talking about and his relationship with coaches and, and does he really love the game? He, he says the right thing in all the media interviews. So I hope that whatever hiccup that was last season has gone away. I do and, think there's going to be an improvement in his play. Yeah. And although don't forget when they were roughing up fields in that Monday night game in 2021, who yeah. came to save him? It was Jenkins. I forgot all right. about that fucking right. planted that dude. That was awesome. That's right. And and you need those kind of players. And I think Darnell Wright at the re- the rookie at the right tackle position is that kind of player. Um <laughs> did you guys hear about the girl, the OnlyFans model? There's some OnlyFans model that like me- messaged every single offensive lineman taken. No, and only one responded, and it was Darnell Wright, and he called her a stankin' ass bitch or something. <laughs> I don't 
one what? Steak in it. Yeah. Hold on. I have to find it. Like, she's <laughs> like, I love linemen. I love the big burly guys. And she's literally was like, hey. And like every offensive lineman and only one responded. And Darnell writes to call her like a stankin' ass bitch or something like that. <laughs> I'm going to have to find it. Hold on. Uh, okay. So it's, uh, I see the story. Uh, Bears offensive t- tackle lashes out. <laughs> At OnlyFans model, uh, he called her like a stankin' ass bitch or stankin' bitch or something like that. Just out of which is funny. She's like, "I'm a Packers fan, anyways." Okay, it's like, okay, yeah, you got turned down, and now you're a Packers fan. Okay, too funny, dude. Oh man, that is wild. Okay, let me read the story from Sports Kedia here. Chicago Bears offensive tackle Darnell Wright had an interesting response to an OnlyFans fans models DM. The 2023 draft began with a mysterious OnlyFans model reaching out to prospects through their social media accounts. As the story blew up, the model called Allison ended up sharing a selected reply from Wright on her verified account. On, the, on March 29th, Allison shared a screenshot on her Twitter DMs. Apparently, the only finance model had messaged every offensive line prospect, Cody Mock. Hey, what, uh, the Luke Weppler, the center from my house. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was good. Uh, is good. Uh, Steve Avila, I hope the Packers pick you. You're incredible. Oh, these are her messages to these guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so she's she calls, she texts Darnell Wright with a hey, uh, four Ys, and I'm looking for oh, <laughs> stankin' bitch. <laughs> Let me see if I can isolate this. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh my goodness, Darnell! How yeah. now? How did he know? <laughs> Fired it right off. I was like, Jeepers! <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, where where'd it go? Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> Jeepers. By the way, American Husty is her name. Attractive lady. Look her up on Reddit. I'm just going to say that right now. Okay, that's what Dan is more interested in. <laughs> Dan, I read an account at American Husty. She does have <laughs> I've told you a story from back in the day when, uh, well, maybe you don't remember, but after I finished, you know, I, I came and the lady told me she was a Green Bay fan. I was like, I wish you'd have told me that before Get I out. came. <laughs> and again, the, the point being, like, I wouldn't risk impregnating a Packers fan for anything in this world. <laughs> That's too funny. Oh, darn it. All right. We've got to find her picture. Uh, where'd you find it at? I um, found that. It depends on if you want to or not. She's got a Reddit account, American Hussy. Oh, okay. Hold on. Just Google American Hussy. Let me find it. I'll get it. American Hussy. Because I need that on my. Web browser, by the way. I'm just saying. You know what? I don't really necessarily understand about OnlyFans. Uh, porn's free. Mm-hmm. Porn's the free. The thing about OnlyFans, from my understanding, and I I don't have a OnlyFans account, is the the connection. I guess because it's personal, you can talk to them and they can talk to you. I guess that's like literally the whole. Oh, I can pay fifty dollars to watch her blow a guy, or right. I can just beat yeah. off to fucking ex hamster yeah. for That's free. Exactly right. I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm the same way. Ex hamster, nice. Same. Ex hamster, ex videos. You know, all the good ones. I swear I she had posts. I can't find it now. Maybe because I'm not logged in. Hold on. I uh, apologize for the delay here, but I'm looking at some some of these other girls. <laughs> Sorry to deep. I got everything. My bad, man. Oh well, I can I can show you her. Um, so all I can see here is I can't can't even do that. Hold on. Found it. You probably have to pay for it. Whatever you're about to do. <laughs> no, not if you're here, 
I, uh, Reddit account, man. Yeah, I don't want to show any nudity because we'll uh, go down this, go down the drain here. But here coming at you, Dan. Hang on, bro. Where the hell is this thing? Oh, I see. Okay, that's her cleavage. Allison, twenty-five-year-old busty blonde from the Midwest. But so she's the Packers. Hang on. And she's probably a stankin. <laughs> Yeah, according to Darnell Wright, a stinking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get back to what we were talking about. Sorry, Who, totally derailed it. I should have known better. That. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Thing, a real deal for you all? I mean, for real. Say what? Isn't that a significant thing? Like, if you were attracted to a lady and she goes, "Oh, I'm a big Green Bay fan." No, not for me. Oh, it would be for me. Now, you know, there's a girl that in high school that had a bit of a crush on that was bad so whatever no big deal house do you get you see those flags all over it's like house divided and bears and back goes, it's whatever I, fuck I wouldn't that. too bad yeah i'll know send it to I you on fuck me i mean i have i have fucked that one packers fan like i said i would not have ejaculated in her had she told me she's a packers fan first but i could deal with maybe detroit or minnesota but no packers fans none i'll just be off to fucking free porn and not have a woman <laughs> Zach says, I'll file that in the unnecessary info about the loads Dan has dropped in Packers fans' <laughs> folder. <laughs> wasn't in her folder. It was just, you know, in the old vagina. But I think uh, folder was a euphemism. I got you. <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's get back to our, uh, our little uh, review here. We talked about all of the offensive linemen that I had. Actually, did we talk about Braxton Jones? Oh, no, we didn't. All right, so here's Braxton, right? He played 100% of the offensive line snaps, over 1,000. He did have a penalty with a problem with penalties. He had eight that were accepted. He had like another four that were declined. But he was voted to the Pro Football Writers Association's uh, all-rookie team. He averaged – now, this is an interesting stat. Average 2.4 pressures per game. That's when he's lined up in a true pass set, set over the first nine games. The next seven games, he allowed only one per game, one pressure per game. So you saw the steady improvement. And the big thing is, is that has he improved his anchor? Has he gotten strong enough to stop the bull rush? I'm hoping that he that he has i'm betting that he has because he's such a good kid he seems so responsible i know he wants to be great i think he's going to have a really good season for us at left tackle what do you guys think yep i'm right there with you all right i think he's gonna have a good one like i said i i feel much better about the offensive line than i did last year mm -hmm. i'm not sold on him as being like oh i'm like i, I just know he's he's our guy you know like He's Jim Covert. I, I don't know that, but I, I hope. Like I have reason to hope based upon the numbers you just showed. Okay. Um, next on my list. All right, I think I got all the offense out. Let us go with somebody named Travis Gibson. Now, he definitely had trouble moving from that 3-4 defense that he played with at the Bears to the 4-3. He's entering a contract year. He graded himself a D for production in 2022, but a C in improvement, which is odd. Mm -mm. But he had seven – he had he notched up seven sacks in 2021 and only had three last season. That's the big thing. And he uh, had one fumble recovery in 2021, but 0-0-0. He just disappeared, particularly after Robert Quinn was traded. 
do you think this guy can improve his play and get more closer to the seven sacks that he had in 2021? Yeah, I think he's in the final year uh, in a Bears uniform. And you said he disappeared. That's what I kept thinking all the last season. I was like, that horror film, The Invisible Man, it's Gibson. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I'm done, man. I, I hope to be, I hope I come back here and I'm like, I was so fucking wrong. And Gibson's a monster. I just see him as a guy that's quietly going to be uh, signing with another team in 2024. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm kind of, no, I'm the same way. It's, he's one of those two that it seems like you heard his name a lot and then you didn't. And he just kind of like the just kind of fell off the face of the earth. You just didn't hear much about him at all. It's like Mark Anderson. That defensive line was sucked big time uh, all of last season. PJ, I agree with PJ. uh, PJ says that Travis needs a Batman so that he can become a Robin. This guy, Gibson, strikes me as the kind of player that he will get those seven sacks if there's a Khalil Mack or a Robert Quinn on the line opposite him so that he can face more one-on-ones. It's like Darnell Moody of the defense, more or less, you think, right? Kind of comparatively. He's like he has to have somebody to take the pressure off him, and and he's going to excel. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I don't know if the Bears have done enough of their defensive line to give him a Batman. I I doubt that they have unless these young guys in the – in the middle of the line are going to prove to be so disruptive that Gibson can play at his optimum. But I, I, I don't know. I, I know some people in the chat room like Gibson. I'm, I'm a little pointing down on him, but I would not be surprised if he had a good season. I would be covering my ass. (laughs) (laughs) I would be very surprised. (laughs) All right. Let's see who else we got here. Um, the Dafans. Um, how about Mr. Jaquan Brisker, the second leading tackler in this uh, on the team last season. He had 104, was third in quarterback hits with four. He had four sacks, mm-hmm. missed 17 tackles, so that's not good. He was acquired in that Khalil Mack trade. He was the second-round pick the Bears acquired. What do you think about Jaquan Brisker, second-year man? Is he going to take a leap forward this season? Yeah, me, I, to me or Aaron, go ahead. I'll take it, man. Yeah, I absolutely think so. I think there's no reason to think he won't. You know, I, admittedly, last year the two fucking first draft picks I was so mad. I want an offensive line for Justin, and I want a wide receiver. It's like, okay, here's a cornerback. I'm like, that's not what I fucking wanted. And it's like, here's a safety. I'm like, that's not what I wanted either. Then you pick a wide receiver and it's Phyllis Jones. You know, <laughs> and, and I, I don't pretend to be a super knowledgeable football dude. I'll never say I know too much about it, but. I, I do know that I was I was not excited about those two, but then I was at the end of the year. Like I'm really excited to see where those two go. Um, and I definitely had Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon on my list of people that I expected to break out this year. So I definitely think he's gonna have a real a pretty good breakout year, especially, you know, with we got more young blood coming on the secondary with the difference of we didn't draft a safety, did we? Or did we? Uh, yes, we did in the seventh right. round. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> we, we drafted two or three different quarterbacks, which are going to be good to pair with Kyler Gordon, you know, and, and Jalen Johnson while we have him and Eddie Jackson. So I, I think our secondary is going to be pretty goddamn strong. And I think Brisker is going to be there to contribute. Yeah, I think Brisker, like I didn't realize he missed that many tackles. But the thing I like about Brisker in comparison with, say, Eddie specifically, he's not afraid to come up there and hit somebody. It seems like he, I mean, what do you think, Aldo? I think he he likes contact. I don't I don't think he's 
like Eddie doesn't really want to get dirty in there. I think Brisker was a rookie. He had a great interception against the Patriots. Uh, he's going to get better. I mean, the guy likes physicality, in my opinion. And I know he got burned in coverage some, but I think he was a rookie. He's going to be better. I think he's definitely on the upswing. I remember Eddie Jackson being asked at a press conference, you know, uh, what is it you like about Brisker? And I'm paraphrasing here. He said, well, he loves to play in the box. And he asked me, do you mind if I'm playing in the box as often as I am? And Eddie Jackson said, hell no. <laughs> you go up there and get all that content. Because Eddie just wants to be a ball hawk and get interceptions. And so he's a perfect compliment, I think, for Eddie Jackson. It was a shame that Eddie Jackson got injured last season because I would love to have seen that rapport between the two of them continue to grow. But I'm with you, and I, I don't think I've seen I, – maybe I saw one negative comment in the chat about Jaquan Brisker. I think this guy is a stud wrapped up in stud wrapping paper. This guy is special. I think he is going to have – he's going to be a future pro bowler. I, I took a quick look. I don't know. It was a week or two ago. Took a quick look at the safeties in the National Football Conference. I think Jaquan Brisker will be up among the top five, top three uh, in a year or two. Maybe even this year. We'll see. Uh, but there were uh, – somebody said that he – there were – he did get beat – uh, uh, some in coverage last season. That is true. And so the whole damn the, team did. Exactly. That team was in disarray, you know, with all the changes to in, in defensive backfield because of injuries. So, you know, there, there were times where he was playing alongside players that he had just met on Monday or Tuesday. I, I think Gordon's going to be better than, than this year, too. Well, it's funny that you would say that because he is the next, next man on our list, Mr. Kyler Gordon. Where are you, Kyler? I know I got you. I know I know. There you are. There you go. Yeah, versus the Packers in week two, he had a terrible game. <laughs> he allowed 10 catches on 13 targets for 163 yards and two touchdowns. That was uh, Aaron Rodgers fucking with him. But he did have three interceptions in his final eight games. And in week 12 against that mighty Eagles offense, he got two turnovers, an interception and a fumble recovery. So this guy's got – I think he's, he's definitely trending up. I would not at all be surprised. The plan is to move him into the slot and Tyreek Stevenson, the rookie, play the outside position. If that's true, Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Tyreek Stevenson, that could be a dynamite uh, cornerback team to go with, a, hopefully, a healthy Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker. What do you guys think about Kyler? I just Wolf? hope that Kyler gets in one spot and is allowed to play there. For example, if he if he's going to play the nickel spot on the inside and they let Jalen Johnson walk after mm -hmm. the season, don't move him back outside. Like Let him flourish in one position. I, I get it the first year they're moving him around, trying to ascertain what's best for him. But you know, going into this year, let him have his spot, whether that's on the outside or the inside, and leave him there. Because I feel like the draft pick was probably an indication that they're going to move on from Jalen after this season. Really, I do. We how, we picked up two, two or three different cornerbacks, and and the one, the one that I really pumped about, the, the, I think it might have been the first one. It's like aggressive to the point mm -hmm. where it's like you're worried about him being too aggressive, and he gets under people's skin. And I'm like, mm -hmm. how many times with how many, especially in the fucking naggy years, did that one cornerback get under our skin and cause hell? Because the fucking wide receiver is taking swings at him. So he's a lion now, that guy. <laughs> yeah. I, that, I had that in my notes too, Dan. It was like, it's, it's Kyler Gordon's going to be great, but we need to give him a spot and not ask too much of him, which I think is what we did last year. I agree. Um, I, you know, 
people are saying that they'd rather see Kyler Gordon outside and Tyreek Stevenson inside. I, here's the thing. I think that offenses are putting a, in a lot of plays their best wide receiver inside in that slot position. They're, they're bigger guys too because these, these slot cornerbacks tend to be smaller. Now, I understand Tyreek Stevenson appears to be more physical than Kyler Gordon, but I think that at this point of their careers, Kyler Gordon has much more agility and I think the ability to guard these receivers who are in the middle of the field and can cut left, can cut right. When you're on the outside, the sideline is your your friend when you're a cornerback. When you're lined up in that slot, man, you got to – you got to be super careful. I think Kyler Gordon with his ballet lessons and background and yeah. his nimbleness and stuff, I think that's going to really help him at that cornerback position. I expect him and Brisker to make nice leaps this, this season. I agree. I agree. All right. Speaking of that other cornerback, I have Jalen Johnson here. This is a contract year for him. Now, Ryan Poles, Dan Aguirre, recently said just a <laughs> week ago, he hopes to have – he hopes – he is a guy we get to keep. He being, of course, Jalen Johnson. Somebody mentioned that when Paul says that, it's a kiss of death. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's like he said the same thing about Roquan Smith, and he said the same thing about David Montgomery. So it's like, yeah, do you really hope that that's somebody we can keep? It is so true. Uh, he only allowed one touchdown in 2022, uh, and he allowed 10 over his first two seasons. So he's been improving. Um I would I I I hope to come to a contract agreement with him because I think he's a player worthy of keeping. What do you guys think? Well, if Nomad were here, he would tell you that Johnson's horrible. <laughs> yeah, he, he thinks Jalen sucks. Um, I don't know if he sucks, but I just think that he's on the way out. I, I I like him. I like hearing him talk. I like that he called out Matt Nagy a few years ago, uh, even though it's probably bullshit about he shouldn't have said I got fined and but I liked that somebody called out Matt Nagy. Yeah, but he was a minute late. Wasn't yeah, that just, fucking thing Matt Nagy, man, just deserved that. his ass kicked is what happened. Yeah. He should have been. But yeah, I like Jalen Ari. I just feel like the writing's on the wall. This guy's gone. That Tony is right. That is the big thing about uh Jalen Johnson. He's he, he's not a turnover machine and the Bears really, really want cornerbacks who play the ball really well and get but turnovers. They also don't target him very much, though, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That is Especially true. the last couple of years. It's yes, we want turnovers, but if we've got a cornerback where they're afraid to throw it that way, then I think that's mm-hmm. pretty substantial as well. Yeah, because uh they wanted to pick on the rookie next last season and so they stayed away from him but it was funny because he went into like i think it was game eight nine ten something like that with the stat line you know has not given up a touchdown all season and it was like boom right away he gives up a touchdown and he got burned that game i forgot what team it was again against that he had his worst game of the season but he still is a good cornerback and once this team gets a decent pass rush maybe he will come up with interceptions it does help if you get a pass rush rush. (laughs) that's right all right uh any more on uh on, on Jalen Johnson, or should we move on? Uh, I think I do you think he's going to be gone or staying? Because I, I, I think he's gone. With as many quarterbacks as we drafted, if one of them steps up, I don't see us keeping him. I think if he has a decent year, a good year, I think the Bears will keep him. They'll have the money to keep him. I don't think he's going to demand you know, an exorbitant contract, and I, I think they'd like to the, – the, 
you know, to keep a veteran nomad, or two, but nomad maybe not. said that Jalen's going to want bank and I don't blame him. And I, I'm, I'm right there with him. I don't, I think he's going to want, I don't know any player that doesn't want bank though, to be fair, but it's like, it's get your bag where you can, bro. I get it. But like, I don't, I think he's going to ask for too much and we haven't seen enough out of him to give it to him. Not mm. yet. Fucking prove me wrong. I'd love that. Absolutely love being wrong, especially when it comes to players in the NFL. Right. Absolutely. All right. Uh, you have a couple for us, right, Aaron? Yep, I had my list with Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, and we talked earlier about Lucas Patrick. The one that I wanted to bring up that was kind of different was Dominique Robinson. Um, last year, he was a second-year player, and by all accounts, everybody expected the world out of him, and he did not show us anything. And I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard on one of the many, many Bears podcasts I listened to that it sounds like he had a drop-off in year two. Um, and from what I understand, he just was not accepting coaching. Um, they were trying to help him. They were trying to give him tips. They were trying to do this and that. And he admitted himself. He's like, I wasn't listening to coaching. I was trying to do it myself. And I didn't start accepting coaching until the end of the year. And if you look at his numbers towards the end of the year, that's when you saw him turn it around. So it seems like he maybe figured it out. Fucking cool. But if that's the kind of player you are like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. That that's, that's a big red flag, at least to me, if that account is true. And I, I can't, I mean, we'll just say allegedly, I think is what you're supposed to say in these situations. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what I heard. I heard that he said, I didn't accept coaching. I wanted to figure out on my own. And when I realized I couldn't, it was late in the year and I asked for help and improved, which it's good that you improve, but you worry about that kind of fit in the locker room. That kind of stresses me out a little bit. Hmm. What do you think, Dan? You you uh, are a Dominic Robinson fan, or 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 don't think much of him? I'm not sure yet. I haven't seen enough. I yeah. feel like he has the potential to improve. I I don't think that I'm. I haven't written him off yet the way I did Gibson and and, and Jalen Johnson he's only been again for two years. So I'm right. I like Jalen Johnson, but yeah. I don't think he's going to be back. I don't think Gibson's very good. I'm not sure about Robinson yet. He's got the qualities the Bears are looking for in mm -hmm. their pass rusher. Big, long, and fast. That's right. He's big, he's long, he's fast. He doesn't have a lot of experience at that position. This is the guy that, you know, played wide receiver and quarterback uh, in college and high school and moved to the defensive line position, I think, his last year or two in college. So there's a lot to learn. I'd be really surprised if that – allegation is true that he didn't want coaching. I, I would think a guy like that would want to come in and absorb as much coaching from his line coach. Of course, we pissed on that line coach a hell of a lot. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Maybe he was right. I don't want to listen to that guy. Uh, but uh, this is a big year for, for Dom Robinson because if he doesn't uh, show some upside, if he doesn't notch, you know, four to five sacks, and if he looks like, because uh, he was burned a lot against the, the the run as well, if he gets burned by the run a lot, and uh, yeah, he's a goner. Goodbye. That defensive line, they they just consistently yeah. across the board stood up on their tippy toes or was, or their they were flat footed, bad. and it just felt like they were like in a lesbian porn scene where they're fighting with pillows. <laughs> that would have been more entertaining though I yeah guess. it's I like would have to tune into that for three hours every week you can't do that they're constantly uh, on their heels or just flat-footed and not going forward not that i'm some defensive line expert but i know enough to know that it seemed like across the board there was no penetration there ever and again it sounds like i'm talking about porn again <laughs> 
Yes, he does. <laughs> I, I have one more name. Okay. Uh, DJ Moore. Oh. Um, DJ Moore has had eight different quarterbacks throwing to him in the past six years. Cam Newton, Ty- Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, Will Greer, Teddy Bridgewater, PJ Walker, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. So he's put up the numbers that he's had with the, those fucking scrubs. I yes. imagine what he's going to do when he's got a full off season with an up and coming quarterback like Justin Fields and Luke Getze as a team that wanted him and can scheme for him. I think that that is going to be, you know, out of all the names we've talked about tonight, I think that's the one name that I'm looking forward to is he wasn't a bear before I get it, but that's the one veteran I think is going to have a monster year. He may put up career numbers this year. Mm. I love the way you're thinking there because I totally agree. I saw that uh, uh, tidbit too about the quarterbacks and aside from Teddy Bridgewater and even he is just maybe average. Well, Cam Newton at a certain point too was, was fine. He had Cam Newton. I'll go over the names again. He had, Cam Newton, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, Will Greer, Teddy Bridgewater, PJ Walker, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. Yeah. So names I some names I recognize, but nothing I'm overly impressed with. You know, yeah. and it's, PJ and Walker is a Chicago Bear. He's a Chicago Bear now, so you better love PJ Walker. Oh, I think, yeah, PJ Walker. Right. He's yeah. it's his backup now. I think said Teddy Bridgewater. I'm like, no, it's not. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that. I mean, that's. Eight quarterbacks in six years, man. Like, that's some Chicago Bears numbers right there. So it's like to get him on the team with Justin Fields to, to be like the solid QB one. Like, I honestly think out of all the people we've discussed tonight, DJ Moore might be the sleeper that's kind of the best veteran breakout year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, do you have a stats right there in front of you? Because I what is that? He's had like 90 catches each of his last three or four seasons, something ridiculous like that. And then when he's had such a turbulent uh, quarterback situation at Carolina, that, that's even more impressive. I was in a debate with somebody who was telling me, you know, uh, uh, DJ Moore is not a number one wide receiver. And I'm like, what makes you believe that? I, yeah, I, I don't no. understand. When you look at all the factors, who he played with, who were his quarterbacks, who he was lined up with, uh, all of those things, and you actually see what he did on the football field, he is a number one uh, wide receiver. So There's no doubt. Between 2018 and 2022, DJ Moore has 364 receptions for 5,201 yards. Ooh, man, that would average be the most in Bears is, history. Is, his average yards is 14.3 yards. Um, the longest is like 82 yards. He's got 21 touchdowns. I think 253 first downs, according to this. 69.5% first down rate. Uh, 74 catches over 20 yards and 18 catches over 40, which we know is going to change with fields. Mm-hmm. So it looks like, I mean, his numbers are pretty solid across the board. I mean, those that, that's a total because he was 2018, 19, 20, 22. He's been here six years. It, well, he's been in the league six years with his first being Chicago this year. Right. So I agree with Cliff. You know, if, if fields does his, the processing well, he will see more getting open over the middle of the field because when I went back and looked at tape, that was what DJ Moore did. Great, those crossing patterns. Mm-hmm. 10 and to 19 yards, like I yeah. mentioned earlier. Absolutely. Yeah. And he would catch everything thrown his way. Um, I've listened to interviews with beat reporters from the Panthers, the way, talk, the way they talked about him, being a high-character guy, being a team guy. Um, 
I, I'm super, super psyched. I think this was a brilliant move by Ryan Poles to, yeah. you know, to acquire him, to help him with the salary issue because he had to spend a certain amount of dollars. Yeah. And there, there weren't yeah. free agents that he was comfortable paying that kind of money to. So pay it for somebody you acquire. Yeah, big, side, big I mean, sidebar, I'm a big fan of Poles. The way he's – okay, compared to Ryan Pace, it's probably not too hard to impress me as far as being a GM, but like the way that he's conducted himself from start to finish – Mm-hmm. The dude's in control. He's patient. He's got a fucking plan, and he sticks to it. Like big Ryan Poles fan so far. Everything he's done is is really impressed me. Very good. All right, uh, we've got uh, thirty minutes to go in the show. We like to de- dedicate it to pop culture, uh, but before we do that, let's see what the weather is going to be like in Chicago. This is Norma mm-hmm. Garcia. Uh, she says that tomorrow Thursday. Well, Vikings fan Wednesday. all of a sudden. My God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 60s, 78 on Wednesday, 82 on Thursday in Chicago, 74, 76, 68, 70, and 74. Whew. She will not turn the side for you. Why? She I wouldn't me, if I was her to me either. It's okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do what I said either. It's fine. She told me you're a married man, so I'm not going to turn. <laughs> I'm not going to turn around. Uh, all right, uh, guys. What have you seen on the tube lately that you'd love to share with the audiences? I have been watching The Blacklist and loving every second of it. The Blacklist with James Spader. I've watched it up to like it's two, season two or three, and then for whatever reason stopped watching it, and then finally got my wife into it, and we've been obsessed. I've been watching The Blacklist like crazy and absolutely love it. Now, that's the original NBC show. Uh, mm-hmm. Are they still on NBC? They are, and I think they're on their last season. I think season 10 is going to be the last one, so okay. that's going to and- be the last one. And so I, I, I'm sure you've been watching it on Hulu or something like that. and just Netflix. And, it's on Netflix. Yep. Okay. So you don't have to deal with the commercials because these broadcast shows with their commercial interruptions, I just won't do that anymore. I, 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 have, I don't blame you. We're spoiled, I, right? Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen that show, uh, Dan Aguirre? No. My mother was a fan of it. But I, like you said, I, I, it's, I don't really watch network TV unless it's the NFL. I don't either. Like I said, but this one's on Netflix. So I decided to give it a shot. I mean, James Spader's voice alone is like, I'm going to watch it and be totally enthralled with whatever it is he has to say. And if anybody, you know, Marvel fan, if you haven't seen the blacklist, he's Ultron. He did Ultron's voice in the age of Ultron. So he's more like impressively boy. was the movie secretary where he's just pounding Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay, so uh, anyone that has a videotape where he can't keep his heart, his dick hard. That's another movie <laughs> I like with him. The the movie that Dan just mentioned, Secretary, is one that I really enjoy that movie. James Spader plays a very eccentric uh, lawyer, I believe, and he hires his secretary, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, who is having all sorts of personal issues she cuts herself she's no no confidence and so forth but they go to work together and so james spader starts to kind of correct me if i'm wrong then he starts to groom her to be his sex slave right i mean they're very word is it's it's, it's just like it's it's overplay i i understand and it happens it fucking happens i get it but like if a dude is like Working his way in with a woman, he's grooming. Whatever. I'm sorry, I'm going to go on to it. No, but fucking. No, that's all right. That's all right. It just it bugs me. He's grooming. You never hear about a woman grooming a guy, but if a guy's like trying to get with a girl and he's he's being creepy, and it's just like that. The fucking double standards is is it really fucking bugs me. But 
continue. I, I'm interested in the movie because anything he's in, I listen and I like Maggie Gyllenhaal. So and she's yeah. got the best landing strip you'll ever see. It's super fucking thick in it, but it's just the landing strip. It's amazing. It's just yeah. so fucking hot. Totally down. Nomad is uh, make sure you catch Nomad's show. I'm not quite sure when the next one is, but follow him on Twitter. Just put in Nomad and a whole bunch of numbers. You Nomad, man, Nomad, put your Twitter up before you leave, and I'll uh, I'll share that with everybody. And make sure uh, you are also uh, following Bears Country Podcast. Um, James Spader was good in Stargate. I didn't see that. I love Stargate. I didn't see him in Stargate. I have to fucking check that out. Yeah, which is funny uh, because the general in the first in in the first Stargate series was mm -hmm. in two or three episodes of The Blacklist. Oh, okay. Now, Blacklist, who's the female lead in that? It is, I don't know her name. I'll have to look it up. Her name's Elizabeth Keene. And and I, without going too far into it, it's, modern Hollywood drives me, which was how they, with, drives me nuts with how they portray female characters. Mm -hmm. But this has the best female characters of any show I've ever fucking seen. Cool. They're so cool. They're so badass. They're so strong. And they're not obnoxious about it like modern Hollywood makes it seem. It's like his Agent Keen, and I don't know, I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's because uh, they're going into season 10, and apparently there's questions that I'm now becoming aware of in season five or six that they still haven't answered, but are still kind of prevalent. And they're gonna they're gonna wrap it up here in season 10. But it's you know, the and yeah, it's I watch so much shows and so much TV and see, and the blacklist still catches me. We were watching it the other night and I literally gasped when they released something. There's something they mentioned in passing two or three times in season one that they brought full circle in season five. Like, mm -hmm. by the way, this thing that we talked about like twice, here's the fucking thing. It's a big deal now. It's like, that's cool. The like showrunners, it's so good. As they said who it was, I was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh, no way. And like, they keep hitting you with shit. And I can see things coming because I've watched so many movie and TV shows from a mile away. Mm -hmm. To the point where it's like, it's, it's hard to surprise me. But the blacklist has totally floored me three or four different times. I absolutely recommend it. Cool. Uh, Mr. Dan Aguirre, what have you seen lately? Well, let me let me ask Aaron a question because when we did, I have a stream, like two three years ago. One of the shows that we Boy, watched longer than that. Well, one of the shows that we watched was the season one of Perry Mason. Again, if anyone's listening, not the Raymond Burr bullshit, HBO's version with Matthew Reese. Uh, season two just wrapped up. Did you watch it? I did and I both loved it. No, I. Oh, it's, it's good. not. Which is funny. So anybody who hasn't watched me and Dan on I'll Have a Stream, we have very different tastes. So like Dan thinks any he doesn't do sci-fi, he doesn't do fantasy, he doesn't do I like Total Recall, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I did too. The new one I haven't seen, but I like Home Feral. But I like fantasy, sci-fi, that kind of stuff, science fiction stuff, and Dan is not that he likes the real life kind of stuff. And that's just it's for me, it's like okay, I'm just watching people do things. Like it's not that's normal life shit. That doesn't really entertain me. Like I, I think I like season one. When I was talking with you guys about it, I, I honestly didn't even know there was a season two. Oh and my thanks gosh, now, it was so I'm gonna have good. The Ozzy Osbourne, Perry Mason song stuck in my head for like a week. Anytime <laughs> you guys talk about it, I think of the Ozzy Osbourne song. But it's funny that you you talked about a Blacklist and how the women are treated. I, I thought the way women were depicted in uh, season two of Perry Mason was outstanding. And in fact, right. it was very right. inclusive. The plot lines with Mexican-Americans, uh, lesbians, uh, 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 Hamilton Burgers revealed to be gay. It's 
really so fucking well done. And the mystery behind the, the case, the main case that he's working on is so goddamn I might, good. I might check it. I like mystery shows. Um, Megan Boone is the female lead. I oh, okay. In the blacklist. And she she's, the, she's blonde, right? Uh, she's a brunette. Um, and there's another one. I'm going to step back because there's another girl that's like she's like an Israeli and both of them are knockouts. It's like the, the female leads are so hot, but they're they're so cool. Like, so there's the agents that work for the organization, but like even the female politicians are like, that is a fucking badass. I would not mess with her. Like, they're so cool. And like, without going too far into it, my issue with modern Hollywood and pop culture is the women in these movies are just badass and there's no explanation for why there's no competition. They're just awesome right out of the gate and they don't have to work on it. And it's, it's just boring. There's no character development and it's like anything anymore. It just seems like, Hey, I'm a woman and I'm badass and everybody else sucks, but me. And I, and it fucking drives me absolutely crazy. But blacklist is like, Hey, there's, here's this woman. She's an FBI agent. Oh, by the way, she can do all these awesome things. And here's this, one of my favorites, she's got like a southern southern kind of accent. She works for the CIA and she puts people in their places. And it's just like the command that the ladies in this show have are are just outstanding. It's just it's 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 easy some of my favorite female characters I've ever seen in film or like anything in shows. I gotta I might have to give this blacklist it's show a so shot. So good. It's because like even uh, like Spader alone, the lines that he delivers with that voice are phenomenal. <laughs> But they keep you guessing, and it's like, is you know, it's James Spader went bald in like two years. Hey, hey. he had all of his hair up until he was like fifty, and then he's like, I'm fucking bald now. I'm not even thirty five and lost my hair. I'm just yet. No, you're good. Um, Yeah, he lost it quick too, didn't he? Yeah, it just seems like you make it to be 45, 50 with your hair, you should be okay. I would Mm -hmm. think so. Yeah, no, it was funny because I knew back in high school somebody called me out on it, but yeah, I anybody that loves like. The blacklist is so cool. So the, the premise of the show is James Spader plays Raymond Reddington, who is an FBI's most like number one FBI most wanted was global criminal suddenly turns himself into the FBI. And they're like, we've been looking for you for like 20 years. Why'd you do this now? And he he's like, I have a list of we'll, we'll call it the blacklist. And he starts giving them like world renowned criminals that may, they haven't even heard of. And he's helping them arrest criminals, but soon you pretty quickly figure out that because he's still allowed. He's like, in order to help you, I have to keep doing what I'm doing. So you basically figure out that he's giving the FBI names of his competition. So he's using the FBI to clean out his competition to grow his empire while helping them out at the same time. So it's like it's he keeps like he's always one step ahead of everybody all the time. And then in. Somebody on on the task force, you find out it's a are they aren't they kind of a relationship that they they do end up answering and they flip that on its head later. So it's like he asks for one specific agent in the very beginning of it. He's like, I'm not going to work with anybody but this person, and it was that person's first job, first day on the job at all in the mm-hmm. FBI. And the world's worst wanted criminal is is asking her to work with him. So it's 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 full of intrigue. I, I it's one of my favorite shows I've seen in, in a very long time. I definitely recommend it. Very cool, Dan. What have you been watching? For one, I watched. I sent this to you. One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life last night called Savage Streets with Linda Blair. And I just watched it because you know Linda Blair, The Exorcist. It's from like 1984. Oh my god, it's just fucking terrible. I mean, it is abysmal. Maybe the worst film I've ever seen. 
But it's got a great poster. I don't know if you guys can see it. It looks like uh, Linda Blair. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, gotta love that. Yeah, the lady, the lady that I really dug. She played in a lot of late eighties and- movies like this anywhere. Man, I, no. I hate modern movies. I'd go back and watch these a thousand times before that. Well, a lady that played. Go for me, I'm sorry. The lady that played in it and she gets raped in it is her Linda Blair's sister, and she plays a a, a deaf lady. His name's Lene Quigley. She's in like Return of the Living Dead. She's in a lot of those like. She's a scream queen. So I like her and the fact that Linda Blair was in it too. So I watched it and it was just like, I couldn't wait for it to be over. It was just so fucking bad. But uh, recently shows I've been watching. I I did a deep dive on, they turned the film fatal attraction into a show. Mm -hmm. I've watched four episodes of that. And again, the lead is so much better than Glenn close. It's uh, what's her name? Lizzie Kaplan. Yes. Oh God. She's so fucking fine. Yeah, she plays the, the the lady in it as opposed to Glenn Close. And the guy that was in a show I liked called The Affair is the lead on it. Uh, and that's talked pretty, about that show quite a bit. Yeah, The Affair was really good. And um, another show I've been watching is the, I don't know if you watched Waco back in like 2018 with Michael Shannon. They did a season two, which is called Waco, the aftermath, which is going to culminate in the Oklahoma City bombing with Timothy McVeigh. That's really good, too. Oh, fuck. It's got Michael Shannon in it. Yeah, he's in Yellow Jackets, of course. They had a really emotional scene this week. Uh, I don't know if you want a spoiler or not, Aldo, but the lady that got pregnant in season one, she fucked her best friend's uh, boyfriend before they went on to the plane. And that's why they get into the argument and her friend freezes to death and they eat her friend. But she finally has the payoff with the baby. And so the baby's born. The baby? But she, yeah, well, no, she wakes up and sees her <laughs> friends eating the baby and stuff. All these oh, terrible visions. Fuck. But in the end, it was just the kid was born, like stillborn. And like at the very end of the episode, she's like, why can't you hear it crying? I can hear it crying. Why does nobody hear it crying? And wow, she's delusional. Dude. It's, it's so sad in that regard. It evoked a lot of emotion. And it's hard. It's hard not to to see that, even if we're not women, and yeah. and not wow. not yeah. you know, we've never we're never going to have a child. But in terms of the delivery of it, but it's hard not to hear that and see that and not and not want to cry almost. Oh, it, shit, man. it was deep, man. It was it was deep. It was that's all I can say. What show was that again? Yellow Jackets. I, oh, okay. I and I I feel like. Because I did another show with two just not too long ago about streaming shows, and I I want to say they kept telling me about the show, and I was like, I don't fucking want it. It's all women. I'm not into it. But the more I see about it, I might have to check it out. Anything with cannibalism, I'm like, okay, that might be cool. (laughs) Exactly. I'm gonna have to look at it, but that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it it is. Now the first season, you don't get the payoff with the cannibalism. You get that in early season two. We're midway through season two now. It's already been renewed for season three. Ah, that's how you know it's a good show. Which, it's not okay. linear. It bounces back between 1996 and 2021. It's so funny. What's this on? Is it Showtime? Okay. Showtime. Okay. It's funny how show, shows. Okay, because my 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 funny thing is like Netflix cancels shows everybody loves, and HBO and Amazon Prime are like, here's the show. It's already got 18 seasons fucking approved, and nobody likes them. Like <laughs> fucking, and they keep rolling with it too. And it's like Netflix has had so many shows. I'm like, this is great. I'm like, oh, you fucking canceled it after one season. What the hell? And then it's like 
rings, you know, fucking Amazon Prime comes out with Rings of Power. We've got six seasons. I'm like, this show is the worst show I've ever seen in my entire life. It's garbage. Totally disrespectful to the lore. And they're going to keep rolling with it. And, like, mm. it bombed. And, like, I don't know if you've seen the numbers, but, like, they lost, I think, 60% of the viewers did not finish the show. From episode wow. one to the last episode, people just abandoned it. They hated it. Wow. And they're still going to keep rolling with it. So it's like Amazon Prime and HBO, like green light, four or five seasons. And then Netflix, like, we're going to try this show. Oh, you guys like it? Well, it didn't do well enough. We're going to kill it. It's just like the shows nobody likes every, multiple seasons. And Netflix is like, hey, here's the show. And like, there's so many. Well, especially like, like fantasy and sci fi. Um, I can think of a handful of titles right now that I loved and everybody I talked to loved. Netflix axes it after one season. Mm. but then it's just it's crazy how they do that yeah netflix is uh kind of in turmoil right now they uh have had some bad seasons recently and they've done a lot of cutbacks but actually the last revenue report that i read about netflix is that the subscribers are back up a bit so maybe they're they'll rebound and start doing the right they thing. have good stuff too i mean it's like um oh yeah not, have you guys watched all the have you watched the night agent uh, that no uh, it i've got it in my streaming queue. records for them it, it was bigger than stranger things um wow. it's done really well it like very quickly became like the number one show and and that was one i, I was really really fond of was uh mm -hmm. night agent was really good pj mm -hmm. uh take care of yourself uh he's asking all of us to tune into bears country uh uh, podcast up. productions on Thursday night YouTube and you can also be on the show uh, just contact those guys over there and they'll put you on so that you can talk to the world about your football knowledge um, I saw a movie called Above Suspicion and it's based on a true story it is it stars Emilia Clark who played Princess Daenerys, Daenerys Argarian Argarian. Hubba, 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 hubba. Yes, indeedy. And she looks really hot in this movie. Aaron. She like had a brain injury or something yes. right after Game of Thrones. And, and I'm glad she, she's actually going to be in the, a couple of Marvel movies coming up. I think not that I give a shit anymore, but she's, she's actually great. been, she actually suffered that brain injury uh, while she was filming Game of Thrones. Uh, but, yeah. I, real, real quickly, uh, this is this movie is based on a true story. That's her here. She she looks so so sexy <clears throat> as this uh, you know, country girl uh, with a thick accent. But uh, she um, becomes a star witness. This is based on a true story, Johnny and Knoxville? she falls. Uh, uh, yeah, Johnny Knoxville plays her <laughs> He's boyfriend. He's a good fucking actor, though. She fair. falls in love with the FBI agent, and the FBI agent falls in love with her while while she is the star witness. In this, uh, in this case that he's following. And so it's one of these old-fashioned but newly made film noirs where the seductress, the femme fatale, in this case played by Emilia Clark, uh, gets uh, in the way of an FBI agent who's married, has a kid, gets in the way of uh, his success, and I won't give away the ending, but mm. if you know anything about film noir, it does, it's not good for the guy. <laughs> you said it was a... Uh movie right not a show movie yes it's a movie uh, uh, uh i like old tool mystery shows like that 2019 it's it's really well done i saw a, a couple of movies i saw another one called bodies 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 that is with pete davidson he has a um a a a, a, a co-starring role he's not the star of the movie and it is fucking hilarious 
a bunch of people go up to a cabin. How many times have you heard that before? A bunch of young people go to a cabin. One of my low-key <laughs> favorite horror movies of all time that's so underrated is Cabin in the Woods. So I, oh, I, yes. Everybody's yes. like, this is terrible. Like That's one of the best fucking movies I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, go on. No, it's fine. Uh, but in Body Spotty Bodies, if you like, you know, a uh, good slasher movie with some surprises in it and some hot chicks in it, uh, check that out. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It's on on demand uh, all yeah, over the place. Who is the guy so, in the top right of that poster? Of the of that movie that I'm talking about right now. He's a big fucking deal. Um, he was. Let me see. Ronan the Accuser in the Marvel Lee Pace. Oh yeah. He was Ronan the Accuser in the Marvel movies, and he was, I think, Arwen's father in Lord of the Rings. He's a good actor. In He's this one of those I... that you don't think, you don't realize you've seen him. And as, mm -hmm. yeah, so, oh, Hobbit, I'm sorry. No, he's uh, in the Hobbit series. He's the, the girl, Evangeline Lily's father in the Hobbit series. Okay. Um, yeah, God he... damn it. He's good, man. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. If you're interested for kind of a no-brainer slasher film, a little fun, uh, check out Bodies, 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 and check out Above Suspicions, loosely based on a true story. And they do a little thing at the end where they show the real characters and stuff. I always like uh, to see who oh, cool. they, the, the actors were portraying to see, you know, if there's any similarities. But Amelia Clark, you know, oh, she's so hot. Worth it there, yep. Indeed. Uh, anything else that you guys have seen and want to share? I've sent you a few foreign movies. Have you watched the one that sent you? Alienoid, man. Like, how, that, part that, two comes out this year. Oh, wow. Already? Yeah. Well, okay. okay. So, if you'd seen Alienoid, it's a. Uh, my thing is almost 100% anymore. If I want to watch a show and something original, because I'm so fucking sick of Hollywood's bullshit here in North America, I watch foreign shows, in particular South Korea. Almost anything they do, I'm, I'm instantly down with. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there was a movie I recommended to you not too long ago where it's like what? I described it as I don't know how they pulled it off a kung fu magic <laughs> alien invasion time traveling sci-fi movie. It's yes. the wildest shit, but they pull off so well. Mm -hmm. um, this is Alienoid, uh, Alienoid trailer. trailer. Yeah. Tell, so, us, tell us what this is about. So essentially what happens is there's an there's an alien congregation that's like prison wardens. And, and they said they basically... They never explain why they bring alien prisoners to earth and they implant them in human bodies to serve their sentences. Occasionally these alien warriors wake up as you can see in that guy right there and they start wreaking havoc. So there's like the prison guard of this whole, like basically, basically earth. Um, and his job is like, oh, an alien broke out and he could travel through time. He could travel into time of the past. He's like, basically, he's the warden. If a prisoner breaks out and that human takes over, he's going to go and stop him. So, and gosh, this is one of those two, like, spoiler alert, I don't want to ruin too much. But so he works with like an alien robot of himself and they went back in time and stopped an alien. But the robot partner brought this kid back. So they brought somebody back from the past into the present and then traveled back in time. It's, it's so hard to explain, but like basically alien beings are prisoners stuck in human bodies. They occasionally break out. This dude has to stop them no matter where they are in time. So that's his like whole thing. And it's, it's the wildest thing. And it's, it looks so cool. It does. And, and, and like, okay. So like I said, there, it just is a genre bending fun. 
And I mm-hmm. said, it is a Kung Fu magic alien invasion time traveling sci-fi movie. And it knocks it out of the park in all those aspects. So this is definitely a movie that uh, Dan is going to watch, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I really think he's going to hop right on that shit. Right, Dan? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you know the something? One... Go ahead, Dan. I was going to. No, go ahead. You were going to comment on this. So I was no, going to transition. No, I was actually going to transition real quick. The other movie that uh, Aaron sent me was Troll. And that oh, is a Norwegian fucking movie. fantastic I'm glad movie. you watched it. I loved, loved every second it. of it. Oh, my gosh. It was that... great. It was cool. It was powerful. And then it was sad. Yes. And that sudden part where they showed the great, I was like, oh, my God. It's like, oh, it's heartbreaking. Oh, it was so well done. I love it. And the, the effects are tremendous. There's one scene I won't try to, I'll, I'll try to camouflage what I'm talking about here. But there's one scene where you see the troll appear in the background. And I won't say anything else. If you watch the trailer, you can see what happens. Oh, okay, okay. So it's to be right there where he comes out of the mountain kind of stuff. Yes, that's exactly it. Yep, it's in the trailer. I was so surprised. I actually went back and looked at it four or five times to see how they did that. didn't see it. CGI. It it was beautiful. It's like, oh, yeah. God, the fucking thing, dude. Yes. Yeah, I'm nice glad you watched it. Nice directing, yeah. Because although when I go back and forth, right, like I love and I've had a, a passion for foreign movies forever. So, like, anytime I see one, I'll send it to him and we go back and forth on it. And it's like one of our favorites we've talked about multiple times was Troll Hunter, mm-hmm. um, which is an origin film. And it's like, oh, here's Troll. And I, and I didn't know you watched it, dude. So, I'm so glad you watched it and liked it as much as I did. I did. Uh, Dan, uh, the last foreign film you saw was probably uh, Rated X, right? Emmanuel? Emmanuel. I saw saw some of the old Emmanuels on Cinemax back in the day. Yeah, they were pretty good, right? Dan, do you like foreign films? Like, I don't know. There there are certain individuals that, like, I'm not doing subtitles. I'm like, okay, fucking cool. I watched one recently that was recommended to me that I thought was complete and utter dog shit called uh, Martyrs. Martyrs. From like 2008 or nine. Okay. It's a horror film that was, that I just thought was terrible. I, I love, I, I've tried to get Aldo to watch a Serbian film for a while now, which is so disturbing, but yeah, that's the one. I've seen it. You're forever going to be tied to that film, Dan. I just want yeah. to know that. It's like but the one thing film. I wanted it to talk about that I really liked, and it's not, well, I guess technically he's from England, so I guess it's foreign, but uh, David Bowie, uh, Moon Age Dream was a very good documentary. It's about two and a half hours on HBO max, or I guess they're going to call it max in a couple of weeks, but, um, it, you don't have to be the biggest Bowie fan to enjoy it. It mixes in live performances with interviews and all oh, these photos cool. and I things love shit like that. Dude. I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah. It mixes in all stuff from his private collection. Cause the director did the Nirvana one or Kurt Cobain montage of heck, the documentary from 2015 on HBO uh, he had access to David Bowie's personal stuff, well, be it pictures and home video footage, and mixed it in with live performances. It's brilliant. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, it's on Max. It's about two and a half hours. It's it's definitely uh, I worth your time though. Like musician documentaries like that. It's like I didn't know this about this band. Like I like it when like uh, kind of goes back. I love like because my my favorite band Mastodon for their first like three or four albums. We're like, here's how we made it. And it's like a, a a picture into where they came from and that kind of thing from their whole get-ups. Like anytime I could watch one, have you watched the one about Randy Rhodes yet? No. Oh, the one about Randy Rhodes, Ozzy's guitarist that that died was is phenomenal. It's so good. I watched that one. Um Stevie Ray Vaughn's is really fucking good too. They didn't they 
what, okay, so they kind of stopped. What really bugged me, they stopped with like his drug addiction. And then again, then he passed away. It's like, okay, what we didn't fucking say was he got clean for a long time. And he died in a plane crash. Like, that's the most rock star thing possible. Ray Rhodes also died in a plane crash. Was it Steve Ravon? Wasn't there Big Bopper? Or who the, else was in the plane? Big Bopper and... Uh, uh, was it Chubby Checkers? The guy that the did guy La, Bamba. La Bamba. Yeah, I uh, don't Rick, know. Yeah. Richie Valiant? Richie Valiant. And it's yeah. like... So that was like, it's like Steve Ravon, here's this whole thing. And then it's like, oh, he had drug problems and he died. It's like, okay, but you didn't talk about how he got sober. Like, that's a huge part of a story. And I was reading an article um, the other day, which was talking about people who were at that last performance with him. And they were given, he's like, yeah, I met him at the door. He's really cool. And it's crazy because one of the things that I took away from it was there was multiple things he did that night that he went on the plane that killed him that he'd never done before. Apparently what I can't remember just two or three different things. Um, but he never ever took his hat off. And that night when he was walking off stage, took his hat off and waved and, and walked out, which he had never done before. And that was the last performance he ever had. There's, there's two or three things that I can't remember, but that's like kind of, he knew that it was his time. I'm sorry, Danny, we're going to say something, but it's, it was a cool article. Well, I got to get ready to, to, to leave, but I was going to, I don't remember if I've mentioned this to Aldo on there or not. Did I bring up the stuff that's going on with Steven Tyler from Aerosmith with that girl? Yeah, no. I've heard about that. Okay. Cause his legal defense is the part I wanted to get Aldo's reaction on. Okay. So evidently I'm saying allegedly, so we can't be sued here. Right. Mm-hmm. Allegedly right after the first Aerosmith album, sort of 73, four ish, he become the legal guardian of an underage girl because was like 16 he convinced her parents to make him the legal guardian so he couldn't be charged or something right? and he was fucking the shit out of her allegedly and getting yeah. her out and, and, and drugs and, and booze allegedly so allegedly he's she's mentioned in a rolling stone article in 1976 allegedly he writes a book allegedly like allegedly. just openly talking about how he fucked an underage girl and almost married her and blah blah allegedly. blah 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 Allegedly. Well, now she was suing him, right? And Steven Tyler's defense, he doesn't deny anything that she says. He denies none of it. His entire defense is his book is quote unquote free speech. And you're infringing on his first amendment rights by citing what he wrote in his book and his stories in his book are inadmissible in a criminal or civil trial is what he alleges. How in the fuck does that fly? Who gave him that advice? As many but lawyers as he has just, to, you know what? Just settle. Just, this. just, just settle. If that's going to be your defense, just give her some money, oh, dude. Just write her a check. It's on paper. You admitted to this felony it's not crime. A, it's a violation of my First Amendment rights holding me accountable for what I bragged about doing. <laughs> it's all in the public book. Oh, my God, dude. That is crazy. That's his legal defense. uh, Her attorney responded a few days ago saying the arrogance that comes with one uh, saying that that's their defense is like indescribable. That's almost Mm -hmm. a quote. Wow. 
What a perfect way to end this episode of Bear Their Soul. Like <laughs> <laughs> statutory rape to send you guys off to a good night. <laughs> exactly. Aaron, uh, why don't you uh, let people know where they can find you on social media so they can talk movies. and uh, Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm always happy to talk. I repost. I don't have the biggest following, which is cool because like, literally the whole reason I got Twitter was to follow Bear Shit. So I, I repost interesting stuff because I follow damn near everybody. So, yeah, yeah, my name's Aaron. I've been in the barroom for quite a while. I'm happy to be here again. Thank you, Aldo and Dan, for, for indulging me and having me on with you guys. And oh, you can funny. see my Twitter handle is A-M-I-C-H-A-L-S-K-I-8-8, um, which is my last name, Mikulski, A. Mikulski 88. So for the people in the podcast version, that's A-M-I-C-H-A-L-S-K-I-8-8. And Dan Aguirre, congratulations on winning another oh, yes! radio award. Tell us what you won. Uh, it's best sports on radio in the state. In, in West Virginia, there's no differentiation from, say, small market or large market. So not to beat on my chest here, like I'm going against, like, you know, IMG who carries the Mountaineer games, for example. The one year I lost was to Kyle Wiggs, who works for them, works for the Mountaineer broadcast. So, like, I'm just this dude with no staff, no fucking interns. It's just me. And I've beaten that guy now. Uh, uh, seven out of the last eight years, I've won in four, four years in a row. Uh, so I'm very happy. You never get, you know, you never get used to winning is what I'm saying. Like, it always feels like when I win, it's like, oh, thank God. You know, it's like I never take it for granted. But, yeah, I did win again. Um, and I'm hoping that that becomes – Something that's like, okay, 2023 is going to be positive now because of all this bad shit that's happened, you know, whether it be my fucking root canal, my cat surgery, mother cat dying, my heat pump going out, my fucking washing machine going out, you know, it's just like, what else could go? The, the, the Jeep, my Jeep, uh, I mean, it's just like so many different things. It just, everything I do cost me $500 or $1,000 or $3,000. So hopefully this is the start of something like a, a refresh, a, a start anew. Because it's been a really awful year thus far. Play your man. Luck, bro. Yeah, exactly. I know it's been a rough year for you, Dan. I can't wait to see you and give you a great big hug. By the way, I got something for you that I'm going to send in the mail, hopefully tomorrow. Getting over to the post office is such a drudge for me. I hate it. But hopefully I'll get over there and, and send you something in the mail, my friend, to hopefully cheer you up. That is our show for today. Tomorrow, it's going to be a busy day here at the bar room. If you are a Chicago Blackhawks fan, you should be jumping for joy because in the draft lottery, they get the number one pick, and they are certainly going to get a superstar, probably the next big hockey player superstar, some kid named Connor Bedard, and that's great news. And so at 2 p.m., the guys on Bar Down Hockey Talk are going to talk all about that and all the latest NHL playoff stuff. And then uh, just keep following us. And the best way to stay on top of what we do here with live programming is to subscribe to our YouTube channel and also uh, follow our audio podcast. We've got some shows that are just audio podcasts only. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Barroom Network. For Aaron, for Dan, Can I give you one more thing. One more Absolutely. thing before you show. Quick. I want to shout out Toots again. John Santucci lost his aunt. Condolences. The other Dan, if you listened to the beginning of this and you thought we were like talking shit, we weren't. I love you, guy. You're my guy. And don't forget, guys, Thursday, the NFL schedule is supposed to drop uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. And then tickets allegedly go on sale an hour and a half later for single tickets for games and such. So a big day for me because I got to try to get my ship booked to come to Chicago for a Bears game, at least one. <laughs>
you know, and a flight and all that. And we talked about Minnesota as well. Yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know what I can afford and can't afford at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to go to many and see a game. That's First Bank Stadium. All right, guys, uh, that's it. Thanks for joining us, everyone, live in the chat room, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.